106 miles to Chicago. We got a full tank of gas, half a pack of cigarettes. It's dark, and we're wearing sunglasses. Hit it. What's happening today is a radical form of a woman's movement. The idea that we don't need men, that men are always and constantly, once again, the oppressed versus the oppressor. I have news for people that do identify themselves as feminists. Men are not dropped off by the stork. We are the people that have to carry men for nine months. They are our little boys, they are our sons, they are our husbands. This country needs women to find their voices and to fight for our men. Because what is happening right now is a cultural war on men. It's funny how these racists, these black supremacist racists, will say that I'm not a black woman and that I'm biracial and giving white mom mentality. Yet they just celebrated Kamala's vice president win or they support Obama, both biracial. They call them the first, him the first black president and her the first black vice president. But, you know, if you don't subscribe to their black supremacy narratives, you get called not black. And honestly, I really don't care what you think. I just want to call out this kind of race that we deal with. Today in Africa, there are close to 700,000 slaves, but they are not being enslaved by white people. They are being enslaved by other Africans. Human trafficking forced labor all exists within the same sub-Saharan region that the transatlantic slave trade took place. African bodies, they are not being purchased by any country of predominantly white men. Colin never mentioned that in Ghana today, 20,000 children live in slavery to support the fishing industry along Lake Volta. In fact, it was leftist network CNN that covered the story last year when a boy was rescued from slavery and had explained to them that while in captivity, he was made to work tirelessly and that if the famished children were caught trying to eat the fish, they were beaten so senselessly that they wished that they had never been born. Why haven't any of the alleged courageous leaders on black issues of oppression mentioned any of this? Because they aren't leaders at all, they're all extortionists. Are you sad you, that you left California or tell no, us? I have not thought for one day about that decision. It was one of the best decisions that I have ever made for my family. You know, because of my Orthodox Jewish faith, that means that I had to move to a place that had some significant Jewish resources. You had just an inundation of homelessness in the area. Like, my kids could not walk around the neighborhood. We'd open up our front gate. There'd be a person shooting heroin in their foot literally in front of our house. We had our business on Ventura Boulevard. We had to board up windows during the, during the George Floyd, you know, some protests, some riots. There was a homeless person who smashed the, the front plate glass window of our, of our establishment. When we left and we moved our main business to Nashville, and then my family uh, and a small core of the business moved to Florida, uh, we thought that we were going to lose probably half the people working for us. Instead, I think over 90% of the people were like, you're going, get us out of here. Everybody wanted out. There's a reason people are leaving California. Record me makes you feel safer. That's fine. I support you in doing that. But here's what's going to happen next. You're going to do me a favor and I'm going to do you a favor so we can both go on about our day. What favor can I do for you? You're going to slow it down when passing through here. We got a lot of traffic. I'm going to rip that Biden-Harris bumper sticker off the back of your car so people don't think you're an idiot. Provide a definition for the word woman. Can I provide a definition? Mm -hmm. No. Yeah. I can't. You can't? N not in okay. this context. So I'm not a biologist. I'm sorry, what? Do you have to be a vet to know what a dog is? Do you have to be an architect 
to know what a building is. I didn't realize that you needed a professional degree to be able to define something that has been easily observable for all of human history. Guys, the woman who is about to sit, the woman, the woman who is about to sit on the highest court of the land can't even define what a woman is. She is about to help make decisions that will impact generations to come. I think, I think we're in trouble. California evening to you. This is Lou Benninger, and you're listening to No Hostages Radio, episode 174, to appear on July 30, 2022. Thank you for listening today. You can reach us at lou at nohostagesradio.com. That's representative of our website, nohostagesradio.com, where you could look at or listen to old episodes and look at uh, articles I've written. You can also uh, text me or call me at 530-713-1838. That's, again, 530-713-1838. If you're going to call and you want to catch me, try it during the right work hours, but uh, I'll also answer the phone after hours, no problem. But I am three hours different than some of you. I'm on the left coast up here in Northern California in Yuba County. So... um, Welcome you to do a shout out if you wish, or if you want to send me some information. Again, the email is lou at nohostagesradio.com if you want to send me clips or attach something, or if that's your favorite way of communicating. Uh, <clears throat> let's see. We also do a live show on Saturdays. Uh, this show, this uh, podcast pops up on Saturdays, but we also do a live show from 10 a.m. to 1 on a live radio show, KMYC 14 10 a.m. If you're out of the area, you can go to live365.com, click on radio, put in KMYC, and it should bring up a live stream, and you can listen to us there. Again, it's 10 to 1 left coast time. So that's what we've got going here, and um, we'll get right into it here uh, in a second. I want to uh, mention a couple uh, for those that are up in Yuba County. Uh, in Sutter County, but particularly Yuba County. If you go to a Facebook site, Everything Yuba County, that's a Facebook site we fought the Measure K sales tax increase on. We just changed the name. I say we because I'm involved with a group of people that are trying to get control of Yuba and Sutter counties in terms of constitutional control. I don't want to really personally control anything. But uh, to get a handle on uh, tyranny in our Yuba and Sutter County area. So Everything Yuba County will... Uh, post a lot of information that you will find valuable and you you will find a difficult time going and getting it yourself somewhere else like uh, various information about county and city ongoing information uh, protocols uh, what do they call it agendas for supervisors meeting etc etc okay and so I I want to mention a couple uh, new businesses one is uh, from a fired firefighter from uh, San Francisco. Uh, he lives here in the Yuba Sutter area, but he got fired because he wouldn't take the jab. 
after 14 years of faithful service to the citizens of San Francisco. And his wife and he have five children, and they uh, they feel like God wants them to stay in this area. So they just launched their own junk hauling business called YSJunkAngel.com. YS, that's Yuba Sutter, YSJunkAngel.com. His name's Ira Burroughs, and uh, you could call him at 530-329-3113. If you have any projects, you need st- stuff hauled off. You don't want to bother with it. You don't have the strength to get it in- into some kind of a uh, device to get out of there. They will do it for you. They'll clean up your properties, and they're, uh, I think their motto is something like they're improving property one. They're improving the world, world or bettering the world one property at a time so ysjunkangel.com and the other one is little billy's excavator and backhoe service that's uh, israel garcia veteran uh, marine and uh, he will fix what you need fixing if you need an excavator or backhoe they do he does fire breaks ponds septic systems footings ditches roads culverts etc etc anything you need done that you need that kind of equipment he can do it for you throughout northern california he lives here in the yuba county foothills you can reach him at 530-300-6010, 530-300-6010. I believe you could text that number, and I believe you could text the other number, 329-3113, for Ira and Gina Burroughs and their junk hauling business. I wanted to read something to you that a lady wrote and posted on social media that, that uh, I appreciate. You know, the Jews felt it important to remind people constantly of the Holocaust, lest they would forget. And it's interesting, you wonder, for some some people, they wonder, how could you ever forget anything like that? But we have people today that are Holocaust deniers, and we have people that uh, have forgotten about the Holocaust, and it didn't start with the Holocaust. It started with uh, identifying certain people that, that uh, the primary group being the Aryan people in Germany didn't think uh, highly of. They thought they were trash people. They were uh, worthless eaters. Um, They were dirty. They were vermin. They labeled them, uh, despised them, and then they uh, put them in ghettos. Then they hauled them and uh, disposed of them like you would a rat. And uh, that's what happened is, is when, when COVID started in about 2019, wasn't it? At least the COVID fraud. They took, you know, every year since I've been on the earth, uh, people have been getting sick. And they, people get sick and then they get well and they get sick and they get well and they get sick and they get well. It might, it might happen hundreds of times in your lifetime and then finally you get sick and you don't get well and you go meet the Lord. So we never really thought much about people got sick, they got a cold, they got the flu, they got this, they got that, and they would get over it. But the cabal, the people that are have more money than they know what to do with, more time than they know what to do with, and they believe that they are the controllers or they want to control the world, they decided to take a common illness like the flu or COVID, the cold, and create a catastrophe a worldwide emergency, a, a propaganda marketing device par excellence. And they have been planning this for many, many decades. And finally, they launched it after a tabletop meeting at Johns Hopkins University. It was funded by people like Bill Gates. And then, of course, they cabbaged onto the funding from our own federal government. 
And uh, and it's interesting to me how people have just uh, accepted it. That uh, like today we're three years into this thing. People are still getting tested. I'm putting the air quotes around this positive for COVID. There's still some are putting on masks, walking around with masks, driving around with masks, um, believing the propaganda. And uh, so this woman wrote, you were denied organ transplants. You remember that, the advertisement where people wouldn't take the jab and so they wouldn't give them a liver transplant or a kidney transplant as if this shot was going to make a difference? Totally fraud. Liars. Said you were denied organ transplants. You were fired from your job. You were banned from family events. You were booted from the military. You were kicked out of college. You were denied access to loved ones in the hospital. You were censored and deleted over a vaccine that Dr. Burks now admits was ineffective. I don't know whether you've heard much about Dr. Burks. I call her the scarf lady or Blinky Burks. She has now written a book. Does that not surprise anybody? Telling how she monkeyed the figures, doctored the science. They never did have science for the uh, PCR test. They never had science for uh, causing people, healthy people to stay in their houses. They never had science for uh, social distancing. All a complete fraud. And just because they had this air of authority and had this title, they got away with buffaloing the entire nation. So I'm just going to leave that there. There'll be more to talk about Burks later, I think. Uh, this guy writes in, in on the on the flip sh- chart, a photo of him, says, everything horrible that they said would happen to you under Orange Man, flips the, flips the sheet, has actually happened to you under Pedo Man, or for pedophile. <clears throat> This guy goes into a bar. There's a robot bartender. Since the minimum wage was increased to $15, the owner had to replace his regular bartender. The robot says, what we have? The guy says, a martini. The robot brings back the best martini ever and says to the man, what's your IQ anyway? The guy says, 168. The robot then proceeds to talk about physics, space, exploration, and medical technology. The guy leaves, but he's kind of curious, so he goes back. The robot bartender says, what will you have? The guy says, a martini. Again, the robot makes a great martini, gives it to the man and says, what's your IQ? The guy says, 100. The robot then starts to talk about NASCAR, Budweiser, and John Deere tractors. The guy leaves, but finds it very interesting, so he thinks he will try it one more time. He goes back into the bar. The robot says, what do you have? The guy says, I'll have a martini. And the robot brings him another great martini. The robot then says, what's your IQ? The guy says, ah, about 50. The robot leans in real close and says, so you people still happy you voted for Biden? Rod Sterling says, imagine you will, if you will, you voted for your guy because you hated the other guy. And your guy is now the disaster the other guy told you your guy would be. We are in a conundrum we are in a catastrophe we are in a downfall we're we are not uh we are not losing altitude we're in a free fall in this country and only those that will stand up for their rights will have any do you all know that just because there's a bill of rights just because there is a constitution doesn't mean a thing 
you can you can have your Miranda rights and you can get arrested illegally and you can get put in jail illegally and you're still in jail and you're still eating jail food and you're still pooping right next to the guy next to you in jail. Were you, did you have any rights? Not really. The only w- real way you're going to get those rights is you're going to have to fight for your rights and you're going to have to pay an attorney maybe to come in and say, hey, that guy wasn't read his Miranda rights and didn't get a chance to call his attorney or, or have an attorney re- representative or get a, a phone call, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. If you're not willing to fight for your rights, I'm guaranteeing you, this isn't a guess, this isn't prophetic or psychic, I'm telling you how it is. You are not going to have any rights because our forefathers designed these rights that you could embrace them and uh, take take possession of them. Otherwise, somebody's going to take possession of them again. It's like if you go to school and you got your lunch that your mama packed for you, that is your lunch intended for you. But if you don't hold on to it and you end up giving it to a bully, you're not going to eat any lunch, I'll guarantee you, until you break the break a stick across that guy's face. An atheist was seated next to a dusty old cowboy on an airplane, and he turned to him and said, Do you want to talk? Flights go quicker if you strike up a conversation with your fellow passenger. So the old cowboy who just started to read his book replied to the stranger, well, what do you want to talk about? Oh, I don't know, said the atheist. How about why there is no God or no heaven and hell or no life after death? He smiled kind of smugly. Cowboy says, okay, those could be some interesting topics, but let me ask you a question first. A horse, a cow, and a deer all eat the same stuff. They eat grass. Yet a deer excretes little pellets while a cow turns out a flat patty and a horse produces clumps. Why do you suppose that is? The atheist, visibly surprised by the old cowboy's wisdom, thinks about it and says, I don't have an idea. To which the cowboy replies, do you really feel qualified to discuss God, heaven, and hell or life and death? We do not know anything about shit. Just something to think about. I, uh, I actually served on a school board at one time for a few terms, four-year terms, and never had to run for office. I was appointed to an open seat. Nobody ran for it, so they appointed me, and no one ran against me. It doesn't mean I was a strong candidate. It just the jobs are not uh, that desirable. And I was there supporting a friend of mine so he could do a better job, and that was the superintendent of schools. And so I did my best to uh, improve or help kids do good in school. But I had a close look at the school system, and I had been interesting and been studying the school system for quite a while, read a lot about it, periodicals, newspapers, et cetera, et cetera. And... uh, the schools, one time somebody says, really, they're not public schools, they're, they're government schools. And that got me to thinking. Because really, the public has very little input into the public school system. They, they, they kind of give the appearance that you do, but they're really government schools. They're propaganda schools. So this uh, person texts this, said, stop calling them public schools. They aren't open to the public. 
They aren't accountable to the public. They are run by the government. They are regulated by the government. They are funded by the government, and they are compelled by the government. In other words, you don't go to the government school. You will be sought out and put in jail or cited, uh, your kid and you, unless you get them into a private school. They are called government schools, and I try to purposely call them government schools. They they are funded. It's a form of welfare. They take money forcibly from the public, even people that never had any children. Even people that had, had, had children, but they haven't had any children around in a public school system for 30 or 40 years because people live so long. But they continually have their taxes, a huge amount of their taxes, going into public schools. They aren't accountable to the public because there's no way to stop giving them money. Like, for instance, if your kids go to a private school and you don't like the way the private school is behaving, you can take your money and your child to a different school. If you don't like the tacos at Taco Bell, you can take your money and your taco money over to Antonio's. If you don't like uh, Chili's, you can go to Red Robin. If you don't like Southwest, you can go to JetBlue. If you don't like British Airlines, you can go to Cathay Pacific. In government, government never was intended to be controlling, funding with our tax dollars and regulating our education. We were supposed to do that as parents. It is a violation of the Constitution. Nowhere in the Constitution does it say that we should be having government run our education. Therefore, the only way to solve that right now is to remove your child from the public schools and get involved either with a homeschool consortium, uh, which there is called Arrow Education out of Church of Glad Tidings. If you go to Church of Glad, if you're from the Yuba Sutter area, there's probably one in your area. There's probably a consortium of parents that you could go to, learn from, borrow curriculum from, learn what the best curriculum is, go on field trips with them, study together. Pretty cool. Homeschool Consortium. We have Arrow Education operating out of the campus of Church of Glad Tidings. It's open to anybody in the community. I think there's a very minimal charge, annual charge of like $20 or $25 annually, just to cover some uh, special uh, events. <clears throat> so you could go to that. You can. There's a lot of private schools out there. There's religious private schools. There's uh, non-religious private schools. There's alternatives. Uh, oh, yeah, it's going to cost you money. Some of you, it's interesting, don't pay any money. Your pro- property taxes in California pay for education. Some of you don't own property and still get your kids to go for free. But I would not put my child in a free education that's teaching them that they are an oppressive race of people because they're white or they're, they, they can change their clothes if they show up to school as a boy and you can change your clothes into be a girl for the day and then go home a boy at night. Or uh, have transgender people teaching my children. You've got to wonder what, why a transgender wants to come in and talk to six-year-olds. That's freaky. I want to mention before we close here that uh, there's a couple of events. Uh, this, is a close, this is the first uh, half hour of the... Uh, Six segments. Uh, my, I have about a 20-minute segment here. The Sutter Yuba Republican Women Federated uh, are going to be meeting in August uh, at Pizza Roundup. That's a business. People wonder, what is that? A cowboy round? It's Pizza Roundup. It's the name of a business in, at 11806 Loma Rica Road. 
It's in Loma Rica, California. It's called Marysville but Postal, but it's 11806 Loma Rica Road in Loma Rica. It's outside of Marysville. Thursday, August 18th, we're trying to recruit more and more men and women to join the Republican uh, women of Sutter Yuba counties. So please RSVP 530-632-6195. It's just not going to be a pizza night. There's going to be a program. 530-632-6195 or visit their website, a great website, uh, which isn't listed here. I'm, it's not on here. So anyway, uh, I'll have to look that up. It's on my uh, other sheet, and I will give that to you in a minute because I have another event coming up for them as well. And let me check that out and see whether it's right here. If it, okay, let me check here. Here's the website, SYRepublicanWomen. Dot com SYRepublicanWomen.com. We're going to take a break, and I'll tell you about the other event when I come back. doesn't work because this bill is really about taking the rights from law-abiding citizens and that is a problem that we have a big difference so we have a lot of debates here about a different position and we go on this series and and i'm not academic okay i'm not going to go and i don't care what this law is laws are not for academics we are the belief of this rights of second amendment rights is american citizens i don't believe and if we don't believe then we better Tell us our children and grandchildren that they are not protected against the born and domestic enemies and tyranny government. And they're not protected from bandits. And they're not going to be protected and guaranteed their life and safety protected. And as a woman, I truly believe, is an ultimate equalizer. And only people like immigrants like me and women are going to be suppressed in this right because they're the first one. I've heard personal experience on that. Because somehow it looks suspicious, speaking is an accent. So I will defend these rights for the all people and all immigrants who came to this country to have these freedoms. That is what differentiates us against everyone else. That's why people are willing to come to this country, even illegally to cross the border, because they want to have freedoms, not oppression and suppression. And I really value this right, and I hope my other side will start thinking about it. We're playing politics with people's lives. There are some things that needs to happen. We need to get educate our children. In our country, we need to understand that it is a weapon. You have to have respect. You have to have safety. You need to do that. You know, we have to expose our children to this. But we cannot take rights from law-abiding citizens, and we cannot have these academic debates. It's a real life and death situation. We have to look what's happening in other countries. You know, and I think we need to make sure that we care about what has made our country the greatest in the world. And I have disappointed Mr. Chip Roy, but I would not support this amendment for that reason, because this bill, it is infringement on the rights of me as a law-abiding citizen. And it will never stop any bandits, unfortunately, but we do need to have tools to stop it. And I'm going to yield to Mr. Chip Roy. We need you to stay in your home for a couple weeks. It's for the greater good. We need you to close your business just for a short time. It's for the greater good. We need you to stay home just a little bit longer than two weeks. It's, it's for the greater good. 
We need you to wear this on your face. It's, it's for the greater good. We need you to wear two of these on your face. It's for the greater good. We need you to inject this into your body. It's for the greater good. We need you to spend the holidays alone. It's for the greater good. You must inject this into your body if you want to feed your family. It's for the greater good. We need you to stop eating that. It's not good for the environment. It's for the greater good. We need you to stop driving your car and flying. It's for the greater good. We need you to stop heating your home so often. It's for the greater good. We need you to stop saying that. It's hurting some people's feelings. This is for the greater good. We need you to stop having children. It's not good for the planet. This is for the greater good. We need you to stop talking about your faith. It's offending people. This is for the greater good. We need to separate you from your children because you're not complying. This is for the greater good. We need to hold you in a facility for a little while for not cooperating. This is for the greater good. 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 After being deleted by YouTube and social media in 2018, most people did nothing to defend Alex Jones or InfoWars. Instead, they obediently learned the new rules and rationalized their submission as a necessary evil. As a result, things have only gotten worse for everyone. And without any recourse, they are about to get much worse. Alex Jones is now patient zero for America's new de facto justice system, brought to you by the fear, complacency, and inaction of the people. Because we take it, here's how we can all expect to now be treated. Even though Jones never mentioned their name and the parents never sought a retraction, Alex Jones is being sued for defamation and intentional infliction of emotional distress by parents of children who were murdered at Sandy Hook Elementary School. The rest of the plaintiffs are federal agents, and the legal team is comprised of highly politicized members of the anti-gun lobby, who have admitted their intention is to silence Alex Jones. So with this new precedent, if you dare question the official narrative, say for example, the school shooting in Uvalde, Texas, then someone can sue you into oblivion for emotional distress, but it only gets worse. The plaintiffs claim that Alex Jones was the perpetrator of the Sandy Hook crisis actor conspiracy theory, which is demonstrably false. After all the censorship and deleted videos, one can still find hours and hours of video content compiled from hundreds of sources, all questioning the official narrative of Sandy Hook. It was arguably the most discussed conspiracy theory since 9-11. And over the course of seven years, Alex Jones spent less than 30 minutes discussing it. We know this because it's all part of the public record, but these radical judges do not care about evidence. I am not currently representing Alex Jones, so I am free to speak my mind. Um, there already apparently I've heard that the plaintiff's lawyers are complaining uh, about me speaking out about the case. That's how corrupt these plaintiff's lawyers are. They're political hacks standing on the bodies of dead kids 
to line their pockets and take away other people's political rights. And I find it disgusting what they've done. And so, but in this particular context, uh, Jones has produced more discovery than anybody. I can't find anyone that's produced more discovery than he is, and yet they pretended that he didn't. Why? Because they built their whole case on a big lie. Both Judge Gamble in Texas and Judge Bellis in Connecticut have found Alex Jones guilty without ever holding a trial or hearing any evidence, which is worse treatment than anyone has ever gotten in America, including Charles Manson and Al Capone. And their excuse for this abomination of justice is they claim that Jones failed to provide them with the incriminating evidence that they imagine must exist. Whatever that mysterious, unspecified evidence is, both judges have stripped Jones of his First Amendment right, but Judge Gamble has gone much further. Judge Maya Gamble comes from CPS, who has been exposed for human trafficking and working with pedophiles. Gamble helped publish CPS propaganda, praising the state's authority and advising parents that it's normal for their children to lie about being abused in foster care. In the Alex Jones case, Judge Gamble has ordered that the words First Amendment and free speech cannot be used by Alex Jones, his witnesses, or even his lawyers. He is not allowed to defend himself. Judge Gamble has instructed that the jury is not allowed to hear about the emotional trauma caused by the mass murderer who killed the children. They are only allowed to hear how their trauma was caused by the words of Alex Jones. And during jury selection, not a single juror thought the media has ever treated Alex Jones or Infowars unfairly. And any juror who questioned the $100 million amount casually discussed by the plaintiff's lawyers were kicked off the jury. Alex Jones was canceled from social media in 2018 and is now being canceled from the U.S. Bill of Rights and Constitution. And because of our complacency, everyone else is next. And in case you were wondering, the way we used to do justice was a thing called innocent until proven guilty. It relied upon the burden of proof, and it was pretty good. Reporting for InfoWars, this is Greg Reese. talking about uh, Sutter Yuba women, the Republican women. And our goal is to see that organization become uh, more prolific, stronger, uh, growing in number, uh, and primarily ladies, and hopefully more and more of the younger generation so they can take over as as everybody is going to age out. And uh, so we want them to get organized and use this – this protocol or this medium or platform of a a, a monthly luncheon or dinner or get together or whatever, whatever. And uh, so this pizza roundup will be $20 per person. You can RSVP, as I mentioned at five, three, zero, six, three, two, six, one, nine, five, or go to the website. And so there's another event. um, And the website is Sutter Yuba Republic, S Y Republican women.com women, plural, 
Okay. Then uh, on September 17th, the next month, they're going to have a get together at 11 a.m. I believe that's a Saturday on September 17th at the Sycamore Ranch. And if you don't, you can all look that up. Sycamore Ranch. It's on 5390 State Highway 20. If you go out Highway 20 from Marysville towards Grass Valley and watch on the right, when you go by past the Browns Valley turnoff, you're about a half a mile away. And it's a beautiful, uh, serene, great environment campground. And there'll be speakers, food, music, games, prizes, and more. Uh, $10 fee for lunch, or you may pack your own picnic lunch, bring it on with you. And uh, you can find out more, again, at the website, syrepublicanwomen.com. And I'm just going to throw in the uh, reserved by phone, even though it's not on this other uh, ad, 530-632-6195, to just connect and find out more about it. It's called Constitution Day. It's Patriotic Picnic and Family Fun, September 17th. So that's two months in a row. There's August 18th. Pizza Roundup, September 17th, Patriotic Picnic. All, all of it's on their great website, so uh, check it out. I love to uh, read quotes from our founding fathers and philosophers that lived long before them that laid the th- intellectual bedrock for our Constitution. And Plato says, if you don't take an interest in the affairs of your government, then you are doomed to live under the rule of fools. I should say that one more time for those that don't listen quickly. If you don't, if you don't take an interest in the affairs of your government, then you are doomed to live under the rule of fools. Now, how many of you have ever met a person that said, oh, I don't vote. I, I don't really take the paper. I don't vote. This is before the Internet. I don't take the paper. I don't vote. I just kind of want to live in uh, ignorance and oblivion for the rest of my life and hope everything works out okay. Plato says it's not going to work out okay. In fact, you're going to be under the rule of fools. Now, all you have to do is watch the evening news. Normally, I don't refer anybody to the evening news. Normally, if you look at the evening news and you just see the kind of people that we have gone from the amazing patriots that founded this country. When you compare them to some of the fools that are leading this country, you realize that the country is under a curse. Now, if you read about the children of Israel, there were times when they were under the blessing of God, and uh, it seemed like they could do no wrong, although, yes, they could do wrong, but it seemed like God just continued to bless them everything they touched turned to gold kind of but then they turned away and they quit following god and they did crazy behavior in their own lives and uh he pulled his hand or his blessing or his presence from them and uh they just looked like they were being led by a gang of fools and that's exactly what we have i don't care whether you're r or d or any other g or independent or libertarian we have fools guiding us and uh down in california here even the republicans are stupid so i wanted to leave that with you and uh so let's see what i want to do here we got I want to uh, 
get down here. Kevin Kiley has been doing a great job posting about the craziness in the state of California and taking the uh, people on that have been destroying our... I'm just looking for this... uh, Oh, sorry, I looked at the wrong list. They've been destroying our our, uh, our state in the state of California. And uh, so he's been posting about it. And uh, he's kind of been the only guy that's really, really been doing much. I mean, lately, uh, when James Gallagher, he's our assemblyman for Yuba and Sutter counties, he got voted as the leader of the Republicans uh, James may be a nice guy, but he's no leader. And you know, you ever had a person that's put in a place of leadership, like a coach, like you're going to coach the team and he doesn't know how to coach the team. Then he isn't really a leader. He, he maybe he played good basketball in his day. Um, so I wanted to, uh, read about a situation that happened down in Southern California in Los Angeles that, uh, Kevin Kiley wrote about it at first. It says, momentum is building against L.A.'s outrageous new mask mandate. This could be a turning point. This is Kylie writing a blog. Because L.A. uh, health officer by the name of Barbara Ferrer, F-E-R-R-E-R, intended on plowing ahead and starting a mask mandate in Los Angeles, the largest, most populated, maybe it's the largest land mass, but certainly the largest population in California. So she wanted to start a mask mandate, but he said the Board of Supervisors could block her dictate at tomorrow's meeting, which has already passed now. Supervisor Catherine Barger has already released a statement of opposition. Kylie said this matters for all politicians. Whenever L.A. does something insane related to COVID, Newsom is not far behind with a statewide order. Since announcing the mandate, Ferrer has been contradicted by L.A.'s own hospitals about COVID numbers and exposed for relying on a mask study authored by her own daughter. <laughs> That's amazing. She was also caught mixing masklessly, indeed jubilantly, with 70,000 baseball fans. Now, this is the same thing that Gavin Newsom and all these people do up here in Northern California. They tell you to wear a mask, then they go out and ignore it and don't wear their own mask. As ba- he says, as bad as Ferrer is, her quackery is enabled by elected officials. Newsom and the legislature have maintained the state of emergency all along. Right to this point, the Board of Supervisors had let Ferrer keep her job and rubber stamped her orders until perhaps tomorrow. Now, this is an amazing thing. It's in the state law that each county, 58 counties, have to have a county health officer. The interesting thing is the person then almost takes over the county and the supervisors obey her or him, as the case may be. Instead of the supervisors reining in the health officer and said, you're not going to do that. We're not going to do that. Right. So uh, Kevin Kiley, who represents Placer County, they said early on they were one of the few counties in the state of california that said we're uh we're not going to do this emergency thing we're we're ixnaying the emergency and we're going back to no emergency under covid 
and they had some of the best test results or the least amount of sickness compared to lots of counties. So as soon as they voted as a board of supervisors to say, we're not doing this emergency mandate anymore, their, their uh, doctor, their health officer, Amy Sisson, A-I-M-E-E-S-I-S-S-O-N, quit. She resigned. And she made a big old statement how, hey, uh, they have tied my hands and uh, I can't do my job here. So I've lost confidence in them. And um, so she said to Governor Newsom's state of emergency still in effect. However, according to the resolution, local leaders believe lagging state metrics mischaracterizes the current state of disease in Placer County. Bottom line is without getting too down in the weeds in Placer County, Amy Sisson left now what you've been sutter county supervisors said because we have one health officer dr fong lu she's the dr mingala the nazi uh killing people up here in northern california and they said well we don't want to really get rid of our health officer because they're really hard to replace and do you know that health officers have been replaced all up and down the state yolo county lost theirs replaced with nissen sisson um, the the Sisson replaced another health officer a few years before, and then now he came back and he's back there in Placer County, right? So Sisson wrote, it's with a heavy heart that I submit this letter of resignation. Today's action by the supervisors made it clear that I can no longer effectively serve in my role as Placer County health officer and Placer health director. Now, let me ask you something. Before COVID, what did the health officer and health director do? You have to ask yourself that. My contention is they're not worth, they aren't worth, a, worth the price of a sack of potatoes. I think my health would be better off without a health officer and without a health department. She says, I intend to remain in my current position, da-da-da, to facilitate a smooth transition. I am grateful to have been granted, da-da-da-da. Placer County has 400,000 residents. So she got a bean up her nose and she went over and took the empty spot in Yolo County, which for you that don't know California, that's just one or two counties over Sacramento, then Yolo. And she took over there. Now, the interesting thing, if you look up Amy, A-I-M-E-E, Sisson, S-I-S-S-O-N, she got good grades in school. She never was a medical doctor in the sense of taking care of patients like a like a uh, family practitioner or any medical specialty. She wanted to be a medical bureaucrat, and that's what she is. She is not a practicing doctor that treats people with illnesses. You got it? So what about Barbara Ferrer? What do you think about Barbara? Have you ever heard? Have you ever seen her picture? If you saw her, she, it, some of these health officers, by the way, look like they're dying. They, they look like the most unhealthy people uh, you'll ever see. Now, Barbara Ferrer, in one article, is called the Social Welfare Queen of Los Angeles. Uh, so it says here, the Los Angeles Public Health Director, Barbara Ferrer, Dr. Barbara Ferrer, they, the, the local residents expect a virologist, a molecular bi biologist, or an epidemiologist at the helm. But they're dis disappointed. So she earned a doctorate in social welfare. This is the head of the most populous county in the state of California. Millions and millions of people live there. So many people live in Los Angeles County, it outdistances most states. 
She, her specialty is in social welfare. Ferrer er, then earned a Ph.D. at Brandeis, which is even sketchy on the course of study for social welfare. On the other hand, said uh, they say that it's strong on diversity and inclusion. Do you think that helps your health any? University of North Carolina, Professor Laverne Reed speaks of health inequities. And Michael Levine, chief knowledge officer of Sesame Workshop, hails social justice policymaking. This lady has never been, she isn't a medical doctor. She's got a Ph.D. in head knowledge about stuff. The social welfare doctoral program at UC Berkeley is designed to inspire independence and originality of thought in pursuit of knowledge. The social welfare program develops scholars who make significant contributions to social work and social welfare. Da, 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 da. Social welfare, Ph.D. Ferrer, Ferrer, did not study at Berkeley, but before her master's in public health at Boston University, she earned a B.A. in community studies at UC Santa Cruz. In other words, she's running your entire COVID thing, telling you to wear a mask, stand six feet apart, stay in your house, and she doesn't know jack diddly about germs or disease or viruses or anything. It's a total political fiasco post. Now, when you look at ours in Yuba Sutter County, we have a lady that's never practiced medicine in an office and had to make a living taking care of patients, healing patients, soothing patients' needs, working through death and suffering. She was a, a, bureau, a, a health bureaucrat. That's all she was. Did she get good grades in school? Yep, so what? If you can't meet the needs of people, uh, I wouldn't want you as a health officer. The past two health officers in Yuba County, the most recent was Dr. Nicole Quick, who before she practiced here uh, had a, pain management practice, I think, in Idaho or Utah. And her mother was a neurologist. She actually had patients, and she took care of people. Before that, for 25 years plus, we had Dr. Joe Cassidy, who came from Ohio where he ran an urgent care and came here and took over the being the medical doctor for the jail, seeing three or 400 patients every, every day, taking care of three or 400 of the high, highest risk people in the area actually ran a clinic at the uh, clinic out in Yuba County Clinic at that time. And the reason uh, Dr. Lou does not do that is she doesn't have the capabilities to do that. We're spending way more than we paid for Dr. Cassidy doing two jobs for, for Dr. Mingla to do one job, to be a bureaucrat. So we have Ferrer that says, I think we're going to start masks again. And they had a revolt on their hands. And they said, and city after city said, we're not going to do it. We're just not going to do it. And I'm trying to look down here to see. I'm going to read you the cities that just rose up. You remember I said at the start of the show, if you're not going to rise up and stand up for your own rights, you have no rights and you will be a servant to the government here. That's what's going to be. So anyway, Kylie posted again. He said, uh, L.A. County is canceling its absurd new mask mandate. Thank you to all who fought back earlier this week. The cities of Pasadena, Beverly Hills, Long Beach, El Segundo, and Manhattan Beach announced they would refuse to enforce Barbara Ferrer's, the social welfare babe, her order. 
And just moments ago, Ferrer backtracked and canceled the whole thing. This is the turning point we've been looking forward to. It's effectively stops Newsom from issuing another statewide mandate, eager as he might be to do so. It's reminiscent of when my home school district, Roseville Joint Union, passed a resolution to ignore Newsom's school mask mandate. You see that? All you school people up here in where I live, you said, oh, we can't do that because all the money is tied to that and this and that and this and that, right? You didn't give a damn about the kids. You didn't give one damn about the kids. Those kids aren't benefiting by that money coming in. You gave it to the unions, and you're doing all kinds of stupid stuff with it. Roseville Joint Union School District passed a resolution to ignore Newsom's school mask mandate. We have, I had a teacher that taught at Kynock School, left and moved to South Dakota over the mask mandate. And and had having to do the walk of shame, but as he had a needy son who couldn't wear the mask, and they just picked up and he got a job in South and Christie Nome State, and they just packed up and moved. Neighboring districts followed suit, and it snowballed from there. Humiliated, Newsom was forced to rescind the order. You think Marysville and Yuba City? They didn't do jack. They just went along to get along. They're just good communists. It's also similar to our triumph over a student vaccine mandate after we stopped Senator Pan, the the malpractice doctor down there, the, the faux doctor, mandated bill to force every kid in the state to be inoculated like a pig. He said, I called for Newsom to rescind his own executive order. Hours later, he did just that. A major embarrassment after months of showcasing the first in the nation mandate to inject every kid. He said, this is notable. Why is it so notable? Well, he said, in Long Beach, Democrats outnumber Republicans 144,000 to 44,000. L.A. County Supervisor Catherine Barger released a blistering statement opposing the mask mandate is useless. When are the Yuba Sutter supervisors going to stand up against the nonsense of Dr. Fong Lu running around uh, chasing COVID, hiring investigators to chase COVID, which is a fake. It's been a total fake from the very beginning. Oh, well, people die. People die. I, if supervisors can't remember people dying every week, obviously they were had their head up their rear end or they were loaded on weed or some other kind of narcotic because people have been dying every single day in our community as long as I can remember without being called COVID or, or manhandling everybody's civil liberties. So... It's very encouraging what's going on, and uh, we're going to come right back. This is our uh, end of our second of six clips here. We're going to our segments here. We're going to hear some clips. Be right back. Yeah, getting older is rough. I had to do adult thing. I had to go for a physical. Yeah. During the physical, the doctor asked me, he goes, are you and your wife planning on having children? And I said, we talked about it. And he goes, well, if you want your wife to have a successful pregnancy, no complications, no health issues with the baby, my recommendation is you stop smoking pot. 
So I've decided I'm going to get a second opinion. <laughs> His whole thing was, he goes, Gary, if you're smoking pot, your sperm might not fertilize your wife's egg. Like according to him, my sperm might be on the way to the egg and then just be like, what's that? <laughs> Is that McDonald's? Because I'm pretty hungry right now. This video irks me. This guy right here shot into this woman's apartment while she was there with her kids and in a six hour standoff with law enforcement got killed by police. Now all these protesters are outside marching and rallying for him outside her apartment building. So all because this guy happens to be black, you gotta go march and rally for him even though he could have killed a single mother and her children. Think about how simple you have to be thinking that just because he has black skin, some people think that he needs to be defended. You play stupid dangerous games, you win stupid dangerous prizes. And this woman has a black child. And they're here all in the name of what? Black Lives Matter, apparently? I don't know how much more evidence anybody needs to know that this woke stuff is garbage. And this poor woman, I cannot imagine the amount of frustration she must feel. All the reasons why I will never support Black Lives Matter, the movement, or the organization. First of all, the whole movement is based on the false premise that police are out systematically hunting down and murdering black men. Did you know that black cops are more likely to shoot black suspects than white officers? So if this really had to do with race, that would be completely opposite. And also, most of the suspects that are shot by the police are armed. In fact, it's only less than 1% of them that are unarmed. And it's 95% men. So if there really was a race issue, if it really was about being black in America, we would be seeing a lot more black women being shot by police. But it's actually who's committing more of the crimes. Men are committing more than women. Black men are committing more than white men. That's just a fact. On top of that, we're seeing a 59% increase in 2020 of cops being murdered. And let's also remember the fact that in 2021, the white cop killing black man headlines completely disappeared. Black Lives Matter. Today. So let's talk about what's going on in America. Freedom is under attack in your state. Dictator Ron DeSantis incredibly lets you walk around without masks. That tyrant allows your kids to go to school during the pandemic, year two or four, or who the hell knows. I urge you living in Florida to join the fight. Or join us in California, where we'll take the money you earn and give it to people who don't work. Visit San Francisco, where you can walk through human feces. If you're lucky, you might step on a syringe. Check out Los Angeles, where gas is so expensive, your kids only need to skip a meal or two or ten to afford it. California, where freedom means lockdowns for you, while I go to the places you can't afford. Don't let them take your freedom. Come to California, where we'll take it, along with your money. Is Hunter Biden a national security threat? That's not a question that would come up before me, uh, Congressman. You're the head of the in, National Security Division, so it seems sort of on the nose. It's not in my practice or experience to identify individuals not in my and, and to We've label heard that any individual, an American citizen or any individual, as a national security threat. Well, you would certainly concede that if the adult offspring of the President of the United States or the Vice President were compromised, that would be a national security threat, right? We speak through our filings in court, uh, and we speak through our actions in, in, in open court. Um, so I would okay, well, speak I would to this. Where's the laptop? Do you know where Hunter Biden's laptop is? 
Again, I'm not going to talk about any potential well, do, ongoing do you know investigation where it is? as I sit do here. you know where it is? I'm not going to talk about any ongoing you, you, investigation. You come here and you tell I us you follow here. the facts in the law, but you can't even follow a laptop that you guys have had for three years. We follow the facts in the law and we speak in open court about our yeah, cases. But you aren't speaking about this. But you know who is speaking about it? The whistleblowers from the FBI who've gone to, to Senator Grassley and said that you guys purposefully take any information that is that is derogatory about Hunter Biden and you go and rat hole it so that you never have to speak about it in any circumstance. But the good news is you're not the only ones with that laptop. So Patrick Ho was convicted of bribing government officials in Africa, and he gave a million bucks to Hunter Biden. Are you familiar with that? I'm not going to speak about any ongoing investigation. I is can, that an ongoing? I can assure is that, you that an ongoing investigation? I can. I'm not going to. Patrick I'm not going to speak about any potential ongoing. Like, don't investigation. you see that that degrades the country's like belief in you guys when you have whistleblowers saying that you're purposefully rat-holing this information, and then you come here and say you won't talk about it? I mean, you know, inside Hunter Biden's multi-million-dollar deals with a Chinese energy company, Washington Post, Matt Vizier. Chinese elite paid $31 million to Hunter and the Bidens, Peter Schweitzer in the New York Post. Hunter Biden's business partner called Joe Biden the big guy in panic messages. Do you guys call Joe Biden the big guy at the Department of Justice? So I think it's important to understand why we don't speak about cases outside of the courtroom. But, but, by, we, the we way, do that, by the way, the, we, we I already know I may, why. Sir, if I may you know, answer the you question. Know, you know why you don't speak about it? Because it's about Hunter Biden. You guys have no problem leaking about other stuff, right? Like, you got no problem going out and tagging parents at school board meetings as a national security threat. But when all of the facts and all of the law are before you regarding the corruption of Hunter Biden, you don't want to speak to that at all. And it's precisely why you've got folks that are talking to Senator Grassley about it. Bo High Harvest. So 10 days after Vice President Biden takes Hunter Biden to China, 10 days after this long toiling venture of Hunter Biden that can't get off the ground, 10 days after they go, he automatically gets approved. So uh, for a deal in China with Bohai Harvest, like, have you guys looked into that? I'm not going to talk about any uh, ongoing investigation. Well, you know who else is talking? Tony Bobolinsky. Tony Bobolinsky told the world that Joe Biden was cut in on a CCP energy deal that was orchestrated by Hunter Biden. Like, have you guys talked to Tony Bobolinsky? Again, we don't talk about ongoing investigations uh, in settings such as this. So, so, so Joe Biden. Uh, well, okay. We, 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 how about this? We commit to a classified briefing on these matters. I'd certainly be happy to talk to you or any member of the committee about uh, matters of national security. Okay, well, but is I don't this a matter about, of national I do not security? Talk, we do not talk outside of courtrooms about ongoing investigations. Well, is there an ongoing investigation of the annual fund dinner that happened where Joe Biden was vice president of the United States and Hunter Biden holds his fund's annual dinner at the Chinese embassy? And the, uh, but in order to do that, in order to get the Chinese embassy to roll out the red carpet for Hunter Biden and, and to raise money for his fund, he had to go to the embassy 30 minutes before and have a one-on-one -on -one meeting with the Chinese ambassador. Do you think it's possible that that meeting might have jeopardized national security? I'm not going to comment about any potential uh, or ongoing investigation. Well, here, here's the thing. It's pretty easy to see that Hunter Biden is compromised. I think every American knows that's a threat to national security. I think we're watching a crime spree in progress that Hunter Biden is orchestrating. And one has to wonder, like, what are the Chinese getting for the tens of millions of dollars that they're cutting the Biden family in on? What is the Chinese Communist Party getting as a result of cutting in 10% for the big guy? And it just, I just happened to notice 
that like you guys canceled the China initiative that President Trump put in place where you focus talent on those things. You know, Jim Biden said to uh, Tony Bobulinski that the reason they're able to get away with this corruption is plausible deniability. And that is precisely the plausible deniability that you are that you are animating and exemplifying today. And you know what? Winter's coming. We're going to be in the majority. And then you're going to have to answer these questions for the country. Okay, here we go again. I want to mention, uh, you know, I, I've renamed Marysville Zombie Town because people are out of their minds all up and down the street. It's not just being high. They're permanently damaged, and, and they're building, uh, they will, like right in the lot, right around the corner from me now we have, it's an open lot, and now we have complete queenside mattresses. We got an office chair out there. We got people living. We got people hanging their, their clothes on the chain-link fence next to the restaurant. Uh, it just there's it's a lawless community, just like Yuba City is now. I'm here in Marysville and uh, we need places like Elite Universal Security. They're holding their end of it up. So uh, business after business is having to hire personal security because the police will not take care of business any longer or the sheriff will not take care of business like they used to. Are they incapable of doing it? Nope, they could do it. They just choose not to because of the po politics. So Elite Universal Security, if you need some extra help at your house, your business, your farm, your ranch, uh, your government, uh, Elite Universal Security can help you. They're located. They started out in Yuba County. They're located all over Northern California. So wherever you're listening to me from in California, Northern California, give them a shout, and they may have a job going on in your community if you want to work part-time or full-time. Maybe you uh, used to drive truck or used to uh, work for retail, or you were an accountant, and you think, oh, I could do some guard duty. I'd do 10 or 20 hours a week. And they are looking for people. So you could call Monty Hecker at 530-749-0280. Once again, 749-0280. That's a landline, so you have to call it. And they're located at 5548 Federal Boulevard. The reason I tell you that is you might want to have to go out there and fill out something uh, or meet them up and go to a class there. They can actually teach you online. Uh, you can go and practice at their range if you need some shooting, learn how to shoot. Maybe you uh, got a gun for Christmas or your birthday, uh, and you need to be trained how to shoot, or you want to get a permit to carry it, which is against the Constitution, but it's still, uh, if you don't have one and you get pulled over, you may have some trouble with the law until you fight it out. But most of you aren't willing to fight, so... Might as well go ahead and get your permit. And uh, so Elite Universal Security, 5548 Federal Boulevard. But the main thing, you can just dial them up or you can look them up at EliteUniversalSecurity.com. Or you could go to their uh, website for schooling at API-Academy.com as well. Also want to mention Dave Greenitz is back in town after hanging out on the, the, uh, the wild beaches of New Jersey where he was raised. He was having some family time back there, and and he's back. I saw him. I saw him Saturday night. He's back. In fact, I just emailed him. He's helping me on a project. 
emailed him last night and got right back to me. He responds quickly, whether you email him, text him, call him, boom, he's right back on you. So if you want a kitchen and bath redone, he's the man to do it. He has a, several crews. They work on numbers of different projects at the same time. They don't jump around, tear out your toilet, leave for two weeks, then come back. No, no, no. They put a crew on it. The same. They have special crews, and they take it from start to finish, A to Z, 1 to 10. They knock it on out, and that crew sticks with it with all the subs until they finish it. They just have four or five jobs all going at the same time, whether it's a kish, kitchen, bath, entry, whatever, remodel. So you could go to Greenitz, G-R-E-E-N, like the color E-T-Z, construction.com, or you can go to Dave Greenitz Construction on the Facebook right? And uh, you can dial him up or text him at 530-682-9602, or you can just, off those platforms, you can just send him a message, okay? So we'll move on here now and uh, get into the thick of things, um, and we'll pick up some of the other folks that help us later. So there's a, I don't know how it is where y'all live, because some of you living out there in some other parts of the country, some of you are refugees from California. That's why you know about me. Some of you, well, it doesn't matter how you learned about this. Here you are. So here we have a lot of competitive shooting, and it's a wonderful thing. I don't know who really started it, whether it was the, the Sutter High School. Sometimes I hear Wheatland High School, but there's, it seems like a number of the high schools now are developing shooting teams. That's where they take a gun and shoot it. So when, when I grew up here, uh, most kids could take a hunter safety course at 12 years of age. And once you took that course, it was a safety course, how to handle a weapon and all the rules of, of safety, then you were able to go get a, uh, a little license or a permit or something that you had taken that course and you could go out and uh, get yourself a hunting license like if you wanted to go hunt some type of a bird or creature right you could actually carry your gun as a youngster 13 14 years old 15 years old you could carry it through the streets on the way to go hunting or put it in the back of your vehicle hang it in the rack of your truck and uh you would not even get a second glance from law enforcement. That was just no big deal. So now we have all these competitive junior shooters, shooters that are 9, 8, 9, 10, 12, 13, 14, 15, 16. And some of them are going to want to com- compete as world champions and go to the Olympics. And some of them are going getting scholarships. But they passed a law, AB 2571, that stops young people from using guns. Now, it's a violation. Of, I know it's a violation of the Constitution. A lot of you would just go on and say, well, darn, I hate it when that happens, and you'd give up your rights to shoot. Instead, there's all kinds of people. They're, they're gonna, there's all kinds of suits been filing, uh, been being filed. I want to give you one example. This is Lola's story. Lola Fitzgerald, she's a junior youth competitive shooter who is a four-time skeet all-american a three-time junior world champion and a four-time california state lady champion in skeet shooting she is also a minor under the age of 18 residing in rancho cucamonga california since the passage of ab 2571 because my daughter he says is a minor living in california she has been cut off from some of the national youth shooting groups 
For instance, she can no longer receive emails from National Skeet Shooting Association, a leading organization in her chosen area of sport skeet shooting. That would otherwise alert her to the events and registration information for up, upcoming competition. That's because the communists in Sacramento are telling all these magazines and solicitors you can't communicate. It's like it's like a child porn person. You can't communicate with children, right? That's against the law. So now they're, they're saying all these gun companies and everything, they can't communicate with these youngsters, even though they've been doing it for years. That is communism, people. That's Nazism. He says, my daughter, Lola, is unable to contact. She can't even make con- can't phone call at USA shooting. And they are unable to reach out to my daughter because of her age and their reasonable fear that if they do advertise, market, or otherwise communicate with her and other minors in California, the organization will expose itself to substantial civil liability. That means the government comes and takes your money. My daughter has also been unable to log into sites. They block her now from going onto websites to see future tournaments and standings of the shooters as they compete. All publications have stopped coming to my daughter and coaches are canceling training clinics that she would usually attend. We are unsure if we fly our daughter out of state to train, whether the coaches would be in violation of the law because our daughter is a resident of California. Communication that we had with recruiting colleges such as Trinity, Hillsdale, Purdue, Jacksonville, University, and TCU have stopped because they are unable to communicate with youth in California regarding their shooting teams and opportunities because of their age and their reasonable fear that if they do advertise market and otherwise communicate with her and other minors, they will expose themselves to substantial civil liability under AB 2571. These are the weirdo pedophiles, perverts in Sacramento that are trying to destroy our children and trying to take the Second Amendment from us. It's It started years ago. I'm telling you the fact that you have to go down. And I, again, I'll keep saying this. I have, I consider the two sheriffs in our county's friends and I respect them greatly. They, they simply have these laws on the books, these rules on the books. They need to be removed of having to ask them permission to carry a weapon. You should not have to do that according to the Constitution of the United States. They both claim to be, and I, I don't mean that facetiously or in any sarcasm, they claim, they say that they are constitutional sheriffs. If they were, they would remove any restrictions except if you're a parolee or you're a felon from packing a weapon, including youngsters. AB 2571 effectively destroys my daughter's training opportunities to compete at the at the USA Olympics world levels and has shut down her communications with the USA, the NSA shooting and other national groups occurred. So on and on. Now, local people, uh, Dave Sampson, he's he's a retired uh, deputy from Sutter County Sheriff, has been the coach of the shooters out at uh, Sutter County or excuse me, Sutter uh, High School. And he is also proclaiming the same kind of complaints against this. Now, we need to call uh, the legislature, call the governor, and complain about AB 2571. Is it is an, a uh, undermining? It's, it's not just undermining the Second Amendment rights of these children. Do you realize that the patriots believed that the Second Amendment uh, was necessary— 
that not only adults would be pack weapons, but that children would be trained on how to use a weapon and not to shoot a bird or a, a, a squirrel. They, and not to shoot a, uh, a drunk neighbor with some funky motives. Those were to defend themselves against a tyrannical government because they just, they're sick of fighting governments. Please says, please call your assembly member. Uh, I would call other, other than just your assembly member, but I, if wherever you're listening from California, call whatever, probably your assembly member voted for this. I don't think ours up here did. So now there's a lawsuit filed to block California gun control targeting youth, youth sports. Now we have we've got kids in in our area here that have got uh, scholarships to go to go all over the country and compete and go to college. So you know what the penalties are? Twenty five thousand dollars per incident. The bill means that any promotion of firearms. That's, that means you send a kid a solicitation to come to your school uh, for to be a shooter, to uh, come to your tournament. You send an email. You send a, a flyer. You, you send anything, some kind of text. The bill means that any promotion of firearms to those under 18 years of age may lead to a hefty fine of $25,000 per incident. Um. So attorney Chuck Michaels law group, Michael associates has filed a suit claiming the new law actually impacts associations, camps, clubs, FFLs, hunter education, instructors, firearms, trainers, youth organization, ranges, and those who work. I mean, we've had, uh, in fact, we have a summer camp going on right now at the church I'm involved with. They may be shooting up there, but I bet that camp has already shut it down because they could get fined $25,000 per incident. No camp. Uh, our church could stand up against this. We'll, we'll, we'll go out. We'll take kids out of our shooting range. Let them come after us. But but the average group are, are not going to fight this. Michael points out this attorney that Newsom signed AB two five seven one under an emergency order. In other words, he allowed it to go into effect immediately. The lawsuit against the new law seeks to halt its implementation to secure an injunction blocking future implementation. The case is Junior Sports Magazine's Inc. v. Bonta, who's the attorney general in his official capacity as attorney general. So I'm telling you, uh, as goes, goes California, some of you that already left are just yucking it up. Uh, you better be sober out there, folks. Stay sober. That doesn't mean stay uh, un, unaffected by dope and alcohol. I mean sober-minded because it's coming your way. If they get away with this here, you know, the Democrats are smart. Democrats from New York, California, and stuff are pouring money into races in other states. Pouring money. In fact, uh, uh, a couple that just uh, moved out of California, they're bazillionaires, they each do donated a million dollars to Beto, Beto, what's that guy's name? Uh, running it for governor down there. They they moved. They got out of California because they ruined California. They're liberals. They went to Austin, Texas, and they both, the husband gave a million, and they, Beto O'Rourke, that's his name. They each gave a million dollars to that crazy guy, Beto O'Rourke. Now, what kind of state are they going to try to create in Texas after they, they're a couple, a pervert couple leaving here and going down there to screw that state up? 
You see, Democrats will do that. Liberals will do that. You think you think that people from around the country will send money over here to help this law case? Probably not. They'll just let us win it or lose it on our own, and then they'll wait till they come over here to try to do the same thing, same thing over there in Virginia or some of those countries over there. So I've told you before, uh, this is kind of short, so I got about four minutes here. I told you before that the BLM and Antifa and all this nonsense and all these reparations for black slaves is is a, a lie. The basis of it is a lie. It's nonsense and it's corrupt. And, and there's, I have some clips on here. You can hear Candace Owens talking about it today. But I want to read about uh, a guy, I've said this before, that blacks own slaves themselves. Black owned black slaves. Anthony Johnson was a black slave owner. So black Africans, we're talking about Africans, sold other black Africans as slaves all over the world. Do you think any of these black leaders over here are going to go over there and try to rid the African nation of slaves? They are not. They're just in here in California and in the rest of the country on the hustle. They're just hustlers. That's all they are. They don't give a rip about the people of same color as them. In fact, they don't even have any respect for Africans when they come to this country. You know why? Because they come here and they go right past them, go get an education, get a job. They don't even speak the language when they come here. They go right back. They don't live in the ghetto. They get a job. They get good. Uh, uh, they get in a good house. They get a car and they don't, they don't speak ghetto or Ebonics. And they just embarrass the local blacks because they've been hustled for all these years. So black Africans held slaves and peddled slaves all over the world and in America. Free blacks. Do you hear what I said? There were free blacks in America. They also owned over 10,000 slaves. Free blacks owned 10,000 slaves. American free blacks. See, people, you don't know your history because you weren't taught history and you didn't have any. You just want to repeat somebody's rhetoric. But you don't want to go look for yourself because it may be just going to make you look like a fool. In almost every state, including South Carolina, Virginia, Maryland and Louisiana, free blacks owned as many as 10,000 slaves in 1850. Please, please, please quit getting suckered. Quit getting suckered, I beg of you. I was uh, I was driving down the street yesterday, and I could see uh, the logo of Thrifty Rooter coming at me. Even though it was coming direct at me, I could see the side of the truck. It was kind of a flatbed. It was a different kind of truck for Thrifty Rooter. And I was kind of trying to check out what it had on the back of it, like there was some kind of equipment attached to the back of it. And then this lady was waving at me, and it was it was Mrs. Artemenko, who is the owner with her husband, Bill. And she was waving at me, driving, and I thought, wow, these guys must be busy if they got the owner's wife out doing calls. But Thrifty Rooter's been around here since about almost 50 years. And uh, so if you're up here in Northern California, you might want to give them a call if you're looking for a good plumbing operation. That's Rooter, R-O-O-T-E-R. And they know they got all kinds of equipment. I've seen flatbed trucks. I've seen vans. They got the big pump trucks pumping out septic systems. One day I saw a, it looked like, you know, one of those big gasoline trucks 
those big tanks that the guy pulls down the road, pulls up into your gas station, unloads it. They had one of those big, big things hauling sewage, I guess, they pumped out of somewhere. They got it going on. Well, whatever your need is, you can figure it out. If you go to their website at thriftyrooter.net, you'll find out all the things they do, and it'll surprise you. I'll, I'll guarantee it. And then you can send them a message right off that website 24 hours a day. They also have a, a phone bank of dispatchers at 530-673-8201. If your water's running the wrong way or ain't coming out or it's supposed to, if there's something wrong with your water, going the wrong way, not coming around, and you paid your bill, call Thrifty Rooter, make them happen, make them come out there. And if your septic system's all goofed up, you got a big party coming up, you're an emergency, call Thrifty Rooter, 530-673-8201. Think you'll be happy. We'll be right back. We got a half a show to do yet. Hit him with a little ghetto Those who wish to follow me. My ghetto gospel. I welcome with my hands. And the red sun sings to last into the hills of gold. And peace to this young warrior. Florida. You now see a lot of them. 
I can tell you, if you go to California, you ain't seeing very many Florida license plates. Dr. Kerry Mullis was awarded the Nobel Prize for his invention of the polymers chain reaction, the PCR. The PCR is a method of analysis and wasn't designed to test for a virus. Mullis explains why. And with PCR, if you do it well, you can find almost anything in anybody. It starts making you believe in the sort of Buddhist notion that everything is contained in everything else, right? I mean, because if you can amplify one single molecule up to, a, to something that you can really measure, which PCR can do, then there's just very few molecules that you don't have at least one single one of them in your body, okay? So that could be thought of as a misuse of it just to, to claim that it's meaningful. The PCR test can potentially find anything you are looking for, depending on how high you turn it up. And this is exactly what has been done. The official protocol given for the PCR testing of COVID-19 created a floodgate of false positives to skew the results. They call it asymptomatic because it's a lie. These people don't have symptoms because they don't have COVID-19. They do it today because they've done it in the past and always gotten away with it. 30 years ago, Anthony Fauci, head of the NIH, made a name for himself by pushing for higher doses of the deadly drug AZT, an old cancer chemotherapy too dangerous for approval, onto AIDS patients. Kerry Mullis was hired to measure HIV in people's blood samples with his PCR. He was working under the premise that HIV was the probable cause of AIDS. But when he went looking for the proof, he found there was none. They just made it up. What is that paper? Who do I go to for that? And I looked around, I asked a couple of virologists at that company, and they said, no, you don't have to reference I said, I have to reference that, because I, I don't know where that came from. How do I know that? And it turned out that nobody knew it. And I was getting really freaked about that. That's when I first started saying, they don't know. Nobody really knows. This whole thing is a big sham. Mullis pointed out how the CDC was losing money and how the HIV AIDS connection brought their profits back in the black and how the men at the highest levels were all in on it. Kerry Mullis knew these men were dangerous. They don't want people like me walking up and asking them those kind of questions. And they're willing to like go to great lengths to prevent that. They're out on a limb. I wouldn't want to be there with them. But he was still outspoken. When ABC's Nightline approached him about doing a documentary on his work, Mullis convinced them to cover the HIV debate after nearly a decade of ignoring it. In a 1994 interview with Celia Farber for Spin Magazine, Kerry Mullis expressed how he really wanted to expose Anthony Fauci and Robert Gallo. He said that he'd be willing to chase the little bastard from his car to his office, a Nobel Prize winner trying to ask a simple question from those who spent $22 billion and killed 100,000 people. It has to be on TV. I'm not unwilling to do something like that. Unfortunately, not many people were listening back then. And on August 7th, 2019, just about three months before the first utterance of COVID-19, Kerry Mullis, age 74, a Nobel Prize winner, inventor of the PCR test, a man who was once willing and eager to expose Anthony Fauci, quietly died of pneumonia. The timing of it all is mysterious to many of us.
know, people are just disrespectful today. Lying is an art. It used to be honesty. Remember, a, remember before contracts, a man man's uh, word was his bond. You didn't have to go buy a bond to guarantee your performance. A man's word, if he said he's going to do it by Thursday and do it for this month, that was that was all you needed. Today, lying has become an art. And people have no respect. People, the highest people in the land, lie. It, it's amazing to me. I love watching the interviews where the center, senators vet or evaluate the people that are... Uh, that uh, the president puts up as his candidates for certain positions like judges and stuff. And the, the judges and all these people just lie, 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 lie. Just think, honestly, I would just go absolutely bananas. So uh, it isn't any surprise that Deborah Burks, B-I-R-X, her, uh, she's doctor, she's a medical doctor, but she also doesn't see patients. But she uh, she's worked in all kinds of uh, epidemiology type stuff and vaccines and all this stuff for years. Her daughter happens to work for Bill Gates, which is a bad sign, really bad sign, folks. President Trump's former advisor, Deborah Burks, made stunning admissions in her uh, book that she's putting out telling the daily mail that COVID-19 came out of the box ready to infect when it hit Wuhan, China in 2019. And it may have been created by the Chinese scientists who were working on a coronavirus vaccine. Isn't that interesting? Now she just says that blatantly. She would not have said that before. And do you know that after three years, the corrupt FBI is now claiming they're going to go investigate and see where that vaccine, where, where that corona really came from. You really believe that? If you believe that, you believe in Santa Claus, the Tooth Fairy, and Storks all in the one same chapter. Jesse Waters says Burks admitted in her new book that she and Dr. Anthony Fauci were essentially shooting from the hip. You remember they're saying, "Oh, this Dr. Lou. Oh, well, the science. Oh, the data. Oh, what a liar!" complete liar the science the data oh yeah we know all about this virus right she admits shooting from the hip when it came to national directives such as two weeks to stop the spread and social distancing requirements do you know that social distancing came from some gals some guy's uh daughter had some science project and she just suggested maybe that would help it, it wasn't even it's not even it was a joke according to waters burks admitted to making things up quote it's a quote she made things up supervisors of yuba sutter county deborah burks our our little nazi health doctor following these people and you're going to follow these people. They made things up. You shut down business because they made things up. You shut down business because they told a lie two weeks. They don't know where it came from. It came from a wet, a wet market. What a lie. 
She and Fauci were lying to the president. Can you imagine the gall? I don't care whether you didn't like the president or not. To lie to the president of the United States when he had the honor. You have the honor to be hired to have a huge job to do with this COVID thing. And you lie to the president. You know, it's an amazing thing to me. So many times Republicans will will appoint or hire a, a liberal because they respect their expertise and they turn around and undermine and lie and backstab them and leak stuff. So disgusting, so evil, so criminal. With the first lie, she said, 15 days to the spread, Burke's rights in her book, no sooner had we convinced the Trump administration to implement our version of the two-week shutdown than I was trying to figure out how to extend it. Like, let's keep this baby rolling. So that 15 days to slow the spread was just a sneaky way. This is her quote, people. This is her quote. Just a sneaky way to get the their, their hooks into us so they could lock us down for longer. And if you dared to leave your house, Burks told us the only way to stay safe was to social distance. Total crock of crap. No science. None. That's why when Scott Atlas was called away from Stanford University, who was actually a, a specialist as a medical doctor and also in communicable health, he came back with his data and he said, when I walked into the meeting, nobody had any paperwork. Nobody was operating off data. They were shooting from the hip. He used the same words. He wrote his own book and they didn't like him because his data did not back up this nonsense of taking masks and putting them on little children or forcing them out of school or making sure if they were in school, they sat in a plexiglass box with mass on a total lie a total fraud how can you ever believe the united states government again how can you ever believe the the fbi after three years what took them so long you know i mean there's tens of thousands like twenty thousand thirty thousand fbi employees right you think oh lou they don't have as much time to do all this they're fighting against murders no they're not they're out running around trying to con uh convince you that parents who don't want pornographic stuff taught to their kids or or pedophiles teaching their kids or transgender teaching their kids and trying to explain to them how a woman has a penis they're trying to consider these parents complaining terrorists this is your fbi the people that 50 years ago 40 years ago 30 years ago we used to have huge respect for and now they're dirt bags. Yeah, they're just like criminals. You know, if you, if you, uh, when we have teachers or we have pastors, we have people, our coaches, we have people in amazing authority over our children. We expect a higher degree of, of uh, accountability and integrity and righteousness from them that they're not going to manipulate or give drugs to our kids, or have sex with our kids, right? And then we have these, we have the FBI, who are liars, tried to overthrow the country, tried to overthrow our president. 
lied, repeatedly lied, lied to judges, lie, 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 lie. And you want to respect him? Even Chris Ray is dirty. I tell you, when I first saw Chris Ray, I thought that dude is dirty. He didn't even need to talk. And Mike Pence, same, same. When I saw him on TV, I do not need to know that dude. The hair stands up on the back of my neck. Same way with Chris Ray, the head of the FBI. That guy is dirty. He is dirty. I don't care whether he's ever convicted. That guy is not right. He's dirty. I'm telling you, it says to the end, Burks writes, I had settled on 10 feet knowing that even that was too many feet. But I figured that 10 would be at least palatable to most Americans, high enough to allow for most gatherings of immediate family, but not enough for large dinner parties and critically large weddings. And you know the interesting thing, Burks, all these people that are telling us how to live so we'll survive and be under control of a communist country didn't do what they, they would go out and party. Gavin Newsom, Deborah Burks, Anthony Fauci. They did exactly the opposite of what they were telling us to do. You know why they could do that? They didn't believe what they were even saying. I feel so sad. She's such a pitiful human being. They, the health officer of Yuba Sutter County, I feel so sad, but she's trying to hold up a front of total baloney. You know, inside we have a conscience. The Bible says we have a conscience until it's eventually seared from being violated over and over and over and over again. Pretty soon you just lie. You don't even care. You steal, you lie, you rip off people, you manipulate people. You don't even, it doesn't even bother you. That's why even murders, they can murder people. They murder a few people. What's one more? No big deal. I can get there in my own head. I got a dark side. I got a dark side. You know, people say, oh, yeah, you know, it's, it's a, they have a right to kill people, kill their baby, because it's going to goof up their career. It's going to be inconvenient. You know, people are inconvenient to me. I could really get into the spirit of killing people. You could, too. Pete, you know, it's interesting. Government manipulates people all the time, ruins their lives all the time. Ruins their lives, ruins their careers because they step on somebody's toes. They whistle blew. They knew too much. They kicked them out. They conspired against them. I, I understand inconvenience. People get in your way. Real road rage. I got that. I got to keep that under wraps. I get it. Lying. Burke's lying. It's interesting, you know, uh, did you know that Anthony Fauci uh, has got millions of dollars in royalties off these patents? You know, he, he actually benefits. He gets he's the highest paid person in the United States government. You know that. And he also gets patents from Big Pharma is now running all these agencies like the Food and Drug Administration, like the CDC. I'm scrolling along here. I'm trying to find this uh, this lawsuit. There's a lady named Christine Grady. Have you ever heard of Christine Grady? Christine Grady is married to Anthony Fauci. And Christine Grady uh, is one of the leaders, if not the leader, in the National Institute of Health. So uh, I'm, gonna, I'm almost there. 
and I got about eight minutes so I can do this. So let me just tell you. Okay, here we go. Judicial Watch, that's a great group to financially support, files lawsuit for OpenTheBooks.com for the employment and financial records of NIH bioethics official Christine Grady. Remember I said she's the spouse of Anthony Fauci. She works for the NIH. That's who he works for. And they want to know who's making all the money and who's making the decisions because they could just sit over the, the dinner table and say, ah, oh, I think we'll just do six feet. We'll do two masks. No, we'll do a mask. No, we're going to add four. We're going to add one more booster shot, right? They, they just make this stuff up. The lawsuit was filed after the HHS failed to respond to an April Freedom of Information Act request from OpenTheBooks.com. Because they wanted the records of all employment contracts, modification addendums regarding Christine Grady, MSN, PhD, since her hiring as chief of the Department of Bioethics. So what does she discuss? Well, she discusses the ethics of injecting babies with something that's not even a vaccine, like the mRNA jab. They want to know any confidentiality agreements, documents, conflicts of interest, waivers or documents, ethics disclosures and financial or economic interest disclosures and documents. In other words, is she getting any money on this? Because the Fauci's have been making money on everything, on Rindisavir, on all these stuff. They want to know Grady's current job description. It's interesting. You can't get this without going through a now a court suit. You know, I don't even call county, uh, government anymore because they just jack you around and it's just a waste of time and and it isn't a waste of their time because they're getting paid with my money but they jerk me around so they the lawsuit wants them to search and produce all responsive records in order the department to stop withholding non-exempt records related to the FOIA request so basically the the government is arrogant And they just say, we don't need to show you anything. We don't need to do anything. We don't need to tell you anything. As uh, the lawsuit against HHS in 2021 asked for the employment contracts, financial conflict of interest, confidentiality, job description, also of Director Anthony Fauci, as well as royalties. Do you hear what I said? Royalties. Why would a guy making $400,000 a year be privy to royalties paid to NIH employees by outside entities? Do you think that that would change the way you view Big Pharma, Pfizer, Moderna, Johnson & Johnson? Do you think that would taint your judgment if you knew you were going to get $100,000, $300,000, right? Royalties paid to NIH employees by outside entities. That's just not the Fauci's. In May 2022, the lawsuit uncovered that over a 10-year period, think of this, hold hold your hat, hold your hat. The lawsuit in May of 2022 uncovered that over a 10-year period, Anthony Fauci and others at NIH received more than 350, not 1,000 people, Fauci and others at NIH received over $350 million in secretive. Do you hear what I said? Secretive royalty with quotes under it, out around it, payments from drug companies and other third parties. In other words, people wanting their favor got paid, paid them, and drug companies paid them. 
Okay, let's just say over a 10-year period. Let's just say, so let's just break it down per year. That's $35 million coming into key NIH employees a year. In in other words, they're not getting paid enough by government. Do you think that would change uh, what drugs that you're recommending, like remdesivir, that's killing hundreds of thousands of people in the right over here at Adventist. They're not all dying at Adventist Health Marysville, but some of them have. There's also people suing hospitals now because they gave their loved ones remdesivir. Also, this new drug that Fauci just claimed he took, he was pitching it over the air. I can't remember, Paxlovid or something like that. It's a failed drug that now they're trying to pitch that's going to solve COVID. Listen, people, just live with COVID. Get sick. Get over it. It's the common cold. We've been scammed. I'm telling you, you've been scammed. All right, let me go up here, and, and uh, I want you to think about if you if you wrecked a car. I see car wrecks every I, – I live right off 10th Street, coming off the 10th Street Bridge. see wrecks every single day downtown Marysville. Allen's Auto Body can put your car back together, make it look just like new, just like mine. My old Honda Element, people say, man, it looks like a brand-new car. I said, yep, that's because Kevin Clark at Allen's Auto Body put this thing back together. That dude knows how to paint. That boy can paint. You can reach him at 530-671-1057. They're located at Tea Garden at Sutter Street in Yuba City. Really easy to find, even if you can't find all the little street names. If you look for the bright canary yellow racing stripe around the the middle of the building, you got to the right spot. That's Allen's Auto Body. You can't miss it. Tea Garden at Sutter in Yuba City. Also, let me mention just within a stone's throw, you can see one from the other is Nellie Garcia's North Valley Paralegal at 751 Sutter. And they, if you if you're you don't want to go in there and ask her any questions, you don't want to dial her up. You can just drive by seven five one Sutter, drive by the entrance, and right on the window she lists all the different services, legal services she provides you. You can kind of look at the menu yourself. But she is a wealth of information. And when she gets on to something, she's like a pit bull. She's honest. She's she's easy to deal with, and she's a lot cheaper than the the average attorney out there and uh, a lot more uh, loyal to you. You can reach her at 530-751-9289, 751-9289. All these people, just give them a shout-out, tell them I said to come on over. Also, Al Power Services, 530-844-0347, Stewart Road. All Power Services will fix anything you have power to it, any motor Anything that runs with power, they'll also fix, they'll fabricate anything you want to build out of steel. They're expert fabricators. They got all the licenses. They're great welders. So whether you've got a chainsaw or you got a big rig that's not running right or you got some fleet vehicles you need to tune up and a, uh, a get ready on, they can do all that at All Power Services. Just It's just right off Highway 99 south of Yuba City, just a couple minutes. You can email them at allpower1469 at gmail.com, allpower1469 at gmail.com. You may have a problem. You can't figure it out. Other mechanics can't figure it out. Let Will uh, Will Fanning get a shot at it, and he will fix it. He will fix your car. 
He will fix your piece of equipment. He fixed a friend's crane that was stuck up in the air. Nobody wanted to touch it, and he just fixed it and brought it right back down and sent him on his way. We'll be right back. we got two more segments to go. Hi there. I am a scientist, a super smart scientist, backed by big money and very powerful people. I'm even a scientist that wears a lab coat, so you can trust me. We have developed something that will give you immunity to a pretty nasty disease. Complete immunity. So, we're pretty proud of it. Okay, I'll just I'll just give them I'll give them an update. Okay. Okay, so what we have developed won't give you complete immunity. I mean, that's crazy. Um, but it will keep you from getting sick. Like really sick, hospitalized sick. So, okay, but they're going to start to wonder about this if I... Okay, I'll just... I'll update again. Just... Okay, you could get hospitalized sick. Uh, so that's not good. Um, but that would be rare. I mean, that's not... Like that would just be a random, <laughs> yeah. So I don't, I don't know if I want to do this. I think someone else could, could do this, do the update. No, just I'm, I'm the one. Okay. Um, okay. Um, people that are taking it, uh, are being hospitalized. So we've got another dose to give you. We're just going to give you an, another dose and you should be good. Okay. I think someone else could do this. I don't know why I'm the guy that always has to give the update. I mean, Sydney over here, you could give the update. Tony, Tony could give the update too. Tony, you're not, no, not, nothing from you. Okay, fine. Okay, so we've got a, we've got a tablet in the works. It's a little tablet. You take it, put it on your tongue. It might be one, might be two. I don't, I don't know. I don't know. Uh, but, 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 but you take that when you start to not feel good. Ah, uh, tablets, tablets are on the way, okay? Have we done long-term studies on this? Anybody? Can we mention natural immunity or is that just, it's not allowed? Okay, um, so that's it, that's it for us. Uh, hang in there, uh, until next time. Yes, Senator. And the Constitution doesn't contain an emergency powers exception, does it? An emergency exception? Can it be suspended uh, in the case of an emergency? There is nothing explicitly in the Constitution that provides any sort of suspension during cases of emergency. Can the Bill of Rights be suspended during an emergency? Uh, there is nothing in the Constitution that provides for that. What about the Equal Protection Clause? Can it be suspended during an emergency? Government disfavor a certain group of people because it's convenient for the government? Again, uh, Senator, there's nothing in the Constitution that provides for that. Okay. Help me then understand your opinion in the Cassell case. This is about Governor Pritzker in your state, uh, his orders, or 
in your in uh, within your jurisdiction, his stay-at-home order during the COVID-19 pandemic, he issued an order that allowed essential businesses and operations to operate at 50% capacity, but it applied only to secular institutions and services. He explicitly said religious activity was subject to a different rule. Religious activity, churches, synagogues, could only have 10 people in them. Everybody else, all other essential services could have 50%, so hundreds of people go shopping, whatever, but religious activity, oh no, only, only 10 people or fewer for, for those folks. Different rule, explicitly different rule. You upheld that in the Cassell case, this differing standard that singled out religious people for disfavor. And you said that the Supreme Court of the United States has said that different rules apply during pandemics. The strange thing is, is I'm reading the case on which you relied, and it says nothing of the sort. You cite Jacobson versus Commonwealth of Massachusetts. That's a 1905 case. You say that the Jacobson court explained that the traditional tiers of constitutional scrutiny do not apply. That phrase doesn't appear anywhere in that opinion. Tiers of scrutiny weren't invented by the Supreme Court for another 40 years. So help me understand where you're coming from in this case, why did you conclude that religious people could be singled out for disfavor? Thank you, Senator Hawley, for that question. Uh, as I stated previously, um, when I decided the, the Cassell case, which was later affirmed by the Seventh Circuit, um, it was early on in the pandemic and um, we did not have the benefit of the various other rulings by the Supreme Court that came down after my ruling on Cassell. That held just the opposite. That uh, the, I, I guess I'm referring to uh, Roman Catholic as well as right. Hendon. Right, and in which the Supreme Court held that you could not single out religious people for disfavor. State of New York tried to do precisely the same thing. And the Supreme Court said, actually plaintiffs have a strong likelihood of success on the merits. You said they have no likelihood of success on the merits. So just help me explain. The Supreme Court took a totally different view. Help, help me explain how you looked at the same Constitution and came to a, a totally different conclusion. Why, why is it okay to single out religious people for disfavor? I don't understand it. What I looked at was whether or not the uh, Governor Pritzker's order was neutral and generally applicable to decide whether, at that time, to decide whether act secular activities were generally applicable. I looked at the type of activities uh, as well as kind of the sort of risk, uh, varying degree of risks that were present in those instances. So, for example... Well, can I just I, stop I, you right there? I'm, so, I'm sorry, I've only yes. got one minute left. I'm sorry, but it is, you, you've raised, I think, a really important point because the standard is, when it comes to First Amendment violations, is the, is the law neutral and generally applicable? This regulation wasn't neutral and generally applicable. It, it had one set of rules for shops, businesses, and a completely different set of rules for churches, which is, of course, what the U.S. Supreme Court ruled. I, I don't understand how you can look at that and say it's neutral and generally applicable. The um, order, as I recall, also closed, for example, movie houses and auditoriums, as well as schools. And so when I considered the activities at movie houses and schools compared to activities carried on at churches, I found those to be, at the time, using the time pre-tandem test, to be generally comparable or comparable. Uh, I agree, and I found that the... But the order said that re religious houses of worship were essential. So it said that essential businesses could be open, essential services, but at 50%. Initially, it didn't include any 
any carve-out for religious, any acknowledgement that religious services might be essential. He amended that, said, no, they are essential, but I'm going to cap them. So two completely different rules. Let, let me just, my time's about expired, so let me just read to you something from the Jacobson case, which you cite, which I'm surprised you didn't heed. Here's what the Jacobson case says. No rule prescribed by a state, nor any regulation adopted by a local governmental agency, shall contravene the Constitution of the United States or infringe any right granted or secured by that instrument. A local enactment or regulation, even if it's based on the police powers of a, of a state, must always yield in a case of conflict with the exercise by the government of any power it possesses under the Constitution or to any right which that instrument, meaning the Constitution, gives or secures. I'm baffled that you would cite this case in support of a decision that treated religious believers differently, indeed disfavored them, compared to other people. And I think the fact that the Supreme Court reversed on precisely this case later doesn't say much for the analysis that you employed, which frankly I find pretty alarming. Thank you, Mr. Chairman. You make my life so beach. You make me This segment, it's amazing to have lived long enough to see the swing and the perspective of people in our country. I don't have time and I probably don't have the intelligence to explain all the factors that have changed the way people look at things. But to see people on campus to, that want to shut down free speech and embrace socialism, communism is just totally amazing to me because I've done so much work in communist countries and seen the suffering there. But uh, I, I've, I've read this before and it came across my screen once again, and it just is so simple. I'm just going to say it again, <clears throat> and it's a story. I think a lot of parents are facing this this problem, sending their kids off to college, and I know when I went off to college, I kind of had the same mindset when my parents sent me off to uh, see if I could make it through college, which I didn't. Says a young woman was about to finish her first year of college. Like so many others her age, she considered herself to be very liberal, and among her other liberal ideals, ideals was very much in favor of higher taxes to support more government programs. In other words, redistribution of wealth. She was deeply ashamed that her father was a rather staunch conservative, a feeling she openly expressed to him, based on the lectures that she had participated in, and the occasional chat. With a professor, she felt that her father had for years harbored an evil, selfish desire to keep what he thought should be his. One day she was challenging her father on his opposition to higher taxes on the rich and the need for more government programs. The self-professed objectivity proclaimed by her professors had to be the truth, and she indicated so to her dad. He responded by asking her how she was doing in school. Taken back and slightly offended, she answered rather haughtily that she had a 4.0 grade point average and let him know that it was tough to maintain, insisting that she was taking a very 
difficult course load and was constantly studying, which left her no time to go out and party like some of the other kids. She didn't even have time for a boyfriend and didn't really have many college friends because she spent all her time studying. Her father listened and asked, well, how's your friend Audrey doing? The daughter replied, Audrey is barely getting by. All she takes are easy classes. She never studies, and she barely has a 2.0 GPA. She's so popular on campus, college for her is a total blast. She's always invited to all the parties, and lots of times she doesn't even show up for classes because she's too hungover. Her dad asked asked, uh, his daughter then this question. Well, why don't you go to the dean's office and ask him to deduct one point off your grade point and give it to your friend Audrey, who only has a 2.0, then you will both have a 3.0 GPA, and certainly that would be fair and equal distribution of GPA. The daughter was visibly shocked and angered by her father's suggestion and fired back. That's a crazy idea. How would that be fair? I've worked really hard for my grades. I've invested a lot of time and a lot of hard work. Audrey has done next to nothing towards her degree. She played while I worked my tail off. The father slowly smiled, winked, and said gently, Welcome to the conservative side of the fence. If you've ever wondered what side of the fence you sit on, this is a great test. If a conservative doesn't like guns, he doesn't buy one. If a liberal doesn't like guns, he wants all guns outlawed. If a conservative is a vegetarian, he doesn't eat meat. If a liberal is a vegetarian, he wants all meat products banned for everyone. If a conservative is down and out, he thinks about how to better his life situation. A liberal wonders who is going to take care of him. If a conservative doesn't like a talk show host, he switches channels. Liberals demand that those they don't like be shut down. If a conservative is a non-believer, he doesn't go to church. A liberal non-believer wants any mention of God and Jesus silenced. If a conservative decides he wants health care, he goes about shopping for it or may choose a job that provides it. A liberal demands that the rest of us pay for his health care. I want to, uh, uh, let's see if I can find this really quick. I think I can. I'm getting, I want to go down to, you've been hearing about monkeypox. This is so totally amazing. The scam that the media is playing on us all. And so many people are just buying, buying into it. Here we go. I'm almost here. So the title of this article is Soros Open Society Foundation. That's his groups, one of his groups, Open Society Foundation. His employee got monkeypox. His employee is a homosexual man. He was bragging about having sex with multiple men at a pride event. This event. I'm talking about an event, not a month. I'm talking about an event over a weekend. He had multiple multiple partners daily, multiple partners in one day. 
Now, I know this is pushing, sounds like Sutter County having switching partners at Sutter County government and screwing each other's wives. This guy's having multiple man partners. Then he blames the government after he became sick and caught, caught, I'm putting quotes around it, monkeypox and gonorrhea. So this is a real sweet looking guy. So there was New York City Pride festivities. Now, this is amazing that, that people has crazy behavior. It's like shooting heroin or fentanyl and blaming the government. So, so this guy, there was New York City Pride festivities. Now, if you've ever seen San Francisco, that means guys uh, with the big dong just let it hang right out there and walk right down the street with nothing holding anything up or really floppy like boxer shorts or something to really strut their stuff, right? Because they're proud of that dude. They're going to put it in your rear end, right? I, hey, I, I'm not making this stuff up. This is what I'm just describing. Some of you don't want to face reality. You want to say, oh, yeah, I know homosexual. He's a really nice guy. I'm not fine. That's fine. I'm just telling you this guy's complaining because he screwed a bunch of men up the rear end. And now he's got lesions all over his body and his butthole is he can't take he can't go poop right it's right here he right he tells he's telling the whole word about it why because these people wear their lives on their sleeves these are people on facebook they blow off on facebook he blamed the government after contracting monkeypox and gonorrhea the guy's name we'd have his name he said i'm a wonderful guy my name's sebastian Cohn or con however you want to say it He's one of the directors of George Soros Open Foundation. I hope he screws George. We need to get rid of George if we can help him along with monkeypox. He's the current division director, signature initiatives at Soros Open Society Foundation. These are the guys that want to bring down America people and are full of disease. So he says, he, he tells the world, he admitted that he was aware that monkeypox was an emerging issue among gay men. It's not among my men. I'm not gay. I'm not worried about monkeypox. I'm not worried about COVID. I told some gal that texted me, he said, who are you? I texted me on the internet. I said, what do you got that mask on for? Are you trying to hide? You're going to shoot somebody? She said, no, it's to protect disease. I said, take the mask off. He had sex with multiple men anyway because he believed that the number of cases in the city was not so high. He's willing to take the risk. He didn't wear a condom. No, he didn't wear a condom. It doesn't matter how many millions you spend on telling gay men to wear a condom. They don't like to wear a condom. They'd rather just complain about the government. He said, I was aware that was an emergent issue, but uh, I was also under the impression that the number of cases relatively small. This is a story he's telling the Guardian newspaper. He's, he's all strutting his stuff out there. What I didn't understand was how absolutely dismal testing capacity was. At that point, the city had the capacity to process. they processing in New York City tens tests a day. This is a gay disease. It's happening with the gay people. They got 500 cases like worldwide and they're going to shut the cunt we're gonna have dr lou pretty soon one to stand on x's again dr lou what a joke instead of taking responsibility for his own actions sebastian blamed the government for how poorly it handled the situation listen to this this is his story listen to this this is the life of a homosexual dude that just 
ejaculated several times each day over the gay pride event and just had you can't even get to know anybody in a day they just finding finding a friendly hole and poking it after i went home the rash started spreading i began to feel anxious i developed lesions literally everywhere they started out looking like mosquito bites before developing into pimply blisters that would eventually pop then finally scab before leaving a scar i had them on my skull on my face on my arms on my legs on my feet on my hands on my torso my back and five just on my right elbow my goodness my elbow at the peak i had over 50 lesions uh, a fever of 103 and intense pain prompting a panic attack oh my god ironically the only place i didn't have lesion was my penis well why did you stop screwing people get that penis in action man you got didn't got any lesions you tell people don't touch me anywhere else but my, my penis is in good shape thank you jesus the next day, I, I got my STI results, positive for gonorrhea, but no word yet on monkeypox. That's when I developed hives. Oh, my God. He developed hives. I thought he had the, he had the pride. Sebastian had the pride event from hell. He said, I developed hives everywhere on my body from the neck down as well as a headache, arthritis, pain in my fingers and shoulders and strange pain in my shin bone. They got so painful I could hardly stand up. At night, I would wake up by going crazy with pain and itching from those lesions and hives, just sitting up in bed and scratching myself. I was so isolated, lonely, frustrated with how unfair the whole, it was just how unfair it is and I got this problem. I was clearly very sick and had had to cobble together a self-care plan on my own. How many of you at home have ever been sick in your life and you had to take care of yourself? This guy wants us to give him some sympathy. I need to send him like a a little text or something. I had anorectal, I'm not going to explain all this, anorectal lesions, which were already very painful, turned into open wounds. It felt like I had three fissures right next to each other, and it was absolutely excruciating. I would literally scream out loud when I went to the bathroom. Even keeping the area clean like washing myself was extremely, it took two-hour process every time I went to the bathroom. Listen, people, this is a guy so self-absorbed. This guy's a flamer, big time flamer, man. And he wants to just bang. He's got the lust thing really bad, really bad, really bad. The whole thing just feels like a huge failure that should not have been allowed to happen, especially not two and a half months into the, into the outbreak, man. It just like tagged me right on the ding dong. He's blaming the government for it. The Gateway Pundit previously reported that New York City is now the epicenter of the monkeypox outbreak, which accounts for 30% of all the cases. What can you say, people? The U.S. monkeypox case increased by 505 days per CDC. Does, are, you, are you, like, freaked out? Do you remember how many people are in the United States of America? 330 million, 350 million, somewhere around there, right? 500 people do something that like blow your hair back doesn't even get it doesn't even get me lathered right i'm so you know what surprised me is that san francisco back in diane feinstein days i think it was in diane feinstein days as mayor that she actually shut down the uh sauna the 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 bathhouses where the men would go in there to bang each other and they just screwed each other as much as they could in those bathhouses and they just spread AIDS everywhere. 
and they actually shut them down. But I think they're opening them back up again. The top top five hotspots, New York 581, California 356, Illinois 208, Florida 208, Georgia 158. You know, people, what are you going to say? You know, this uh, Tedros, the head of the WHO, that guy was never a doctor. He's a communist. You know, Tedros, last name Tedros. He's from Ethiopia. Ethiopians even hate Tedros. He's a liar. He's a China man. Uh, he isn't a doctor, and he's all talking about monkeypox. Oh, it's very serious. Yeah, it's serious if you get it, but don't put your ding-dong in somebody's rear end there, Tedros, and you should be fine. Get out and get plenty of vitamin D. <laughs> These guys. Come on, man. Come on. What are we? Scott Weiner. Well, Scott Weiner, how do you get? How, how? Life is just so amazing. A guy that's focused on his wiener, putting it in another man's butt. His name's Scott Weiner. He's a senator from San Francisco. What are the chances? How about Scott Ding Dong? How about Scott Wacker? Unbelievable. Scott Weiner tells told a communist, once again, we have a public health failure for a disease affecting my community. That's all I get a kick out of it. Scott Weiner is his community, my community. Like when I say my community, I'm including everybody, homosexuals, heroin addicts. Like when they say Marysville, that's my I live here at Marysville, whether I like it or not. This is my community. But when these guys say my community or when a black person like Obama says my community, you know, he's not including you in his community. So when Obama says my community, that's a black people and maybe even black homosexuals because he's banging a guy all the time anyway. So now we got Scott Weiner. He says, once again, we have a public failure disease affecting my community. This disease didn't come from a bat. As a gay man, it is really terrifying, Scott says. Oh, Scott, he's all like on the floor of the Senate, man. He's throwing down all the time like I'm bad. I'm big and bad. But now the dude's got lesions everywhere but on his wiener, and he's got gonorrhea up in his wiener. And now that got Scott all concerned. In San Francisco, hundreds wait in line for hours for a chance at getting a vaccine. I didn't know even vaccine would stop monkeypox. Where'd they come from? Did we do warp speed? Did we do warp speed on the vaccine? Many are turned away when supplies hit zero. What do they got? Five or six doses of monkeypox juice? <laughs> In addition to the inaccurate vaccine supply, Assembly Leader Anthony Rendon reports that Medi-Cal doesn't even cover the testing. You got to pay for it yourself. You mean you mean I got to buy my own chewing gum? I got to buy my own ice cream? I got to buy my own taco? The government's not going to buy my own taco? You mean a medical? What about people that are the suffering people, the disadvantaged? The government's not going to pay for their screening. Those who test positive are required under threat of a misdemeanor criminal charge to remain in isolation. Oh, I'm telling you, Dr. Lou would love this. I'm, I'm going to file a misdemeanor charge on that dude. If he won't stay in isolation for weeks. Not for a day, not for five days, for weeks without any kind of compensation or support. There it is. You mean with lesions all over my body, I can't take a poop without screaming so the neighbors will hear I got to put a rag in my mouth? 
and they're not going to give me a stimulus check and support and bring food and my favorite kombucha and some sprouts by the house. (laughs) These people are unbelievable. In New York City line, stretch for blocks waiting for the opportunity to get the monkeypox shot. These people are so full of they're so full of nonsense. Vaccine supply remains low. Where are all these vaccines? I thought we had billions of vaccines. I thought we were trying to kill the whole world. Right now, I thought that maybe Fauci, he tried to kill all the AIDS community during the, they claim he killed 100,000 people on his own on withholding good drugs to the AIDS people. They could just, they already had the drugs. They didn't need no vaccine. But Fauci wouldn't give the okay. He wanted to get rid of some old funky stuff off the shelf before they give him the good stuff. Vaccine supply remains low. I thought if you're supposed to stay ahead of this monkey pox. I'm telling you people, we've lost our minds in this country. <clears throat> we've lost our minds in this country. You know how people think that there's blacks and all the blacks in, in the United States were slaves. 100% were slaves. None of them, no blacks had slaves. No blacks were free. It was just everybody was under slavery. Everybody's getting raped. Everybody's getting, dying in the bottom of a boat, right? And all that stuff. Isn't it interesting when you start looking at it, you enter, who, who built Oberlin College? Basically white guys. Who ran the Underground Railroad? Well, there were blacks involved, mainly white folks. Who was in the, the uh, who launched the Civil War? White folks. When I come back, I'm going to tell you about Dr. Robinson. Just a minute. I have gone to the gym the last few weeks, and I thought it was going all right. Then I went there the other day, and right when I walked in, they offered me a free personal training session. I guess they were just like, whatever you've been doing has not been working. We want to introduce you to somebody. So they introduced me to this personal trainer. This guy was very pushy, very pushy. He goes, I want you on the bench press. I want you to give me eight reps. So I go on the bench press. I give him eight reps. I'm about to give him back the bar, and he goes, uh-uh. Give me one more. And I said, I can't do one more. He goes, when you work out with me, the word can't isn't in your vocabulary. I was like, what about unable? (laughs) Is that in there? First, it came for Alex Jones, but few people said anything because they didn't want to be perceived as supporting a conspiracy theorist. And then two and a half years later, the seated president of the United States, Donald Trump, was banned from every major social media platform in America, too, shocking the Republican establishment. While those of us who had been warning that this exact scenario was going to happen said, we told you so. An unperson is a term from George Orwell's novel 1984 that describes someone whose very existence has been erased from society. And this is basically what happened to Alex Jones in August 2018, four years ago now. So here's just a brief history lesson. Within the course of just a few days, he was banned from YouTube, Facebook, iTunes, the TuneIn radio app, Spotify, Stitcher, Pinterest, and even LinkedIn. Years of shows 
and interviews just disappeared. Thankfully, many conservatives, even those who thought that Alex was a little bit crazy, were quite concerned about his sudden disappearance from the internet. Even Senator Ted Cruz defended Alex. Others came to his defense as well, including Bill Maher. Is uh, thrown off Twitter, I think, and Facebook and a few other platforms. I think he's going to... Thank God! Uh, well, if you're a liberal, you're supposed to be for free speech. That's free speech for the speech you hate. That's what free speech means. I don't like Alex Jones, but Alex Jones gets to speak. Everybody gets to speak. Many others were quite concerned about him getting unpersoned overnight, but were afraid to speak out against it because they didn't want to appear as if they supported him because of some of the outlandish things that he has said over the years. But the big tech companies all coordinating with each other to ban him was just a test case and the beginning of the censorship that was to come. The editor-in-chief of The Verge, one of Vox Media's online properties, started calling for Fox News to be taken off the air next. PBS did a report about Alex's deplatforming and in that that report complained that he had inspired countless imitators who sell merchandise and then showed a clip of me from one of my YouTube videos promoting my popular t-shirts. Jones has spawned hundreds of imitators, mostly right-wing anti-government conspiracy theorists peddling merchandise and the real story the government doesn't want you to know about. Apple CEO Tim Cook then said it was a sin for social media platforms not to ban people the left deems hateful and divisive. He was given the first Courage Against Hate Award from the ADL for banning Alex Jones' podcast on iTunes. And during his acceptance speech, he said that he has only one message for those who seek to push hate. You have no place on our platforms. Of course, voting for Donald Trump is considered to be hate speech by the Silicon Valley Titans, and it won't be long now before they include negative tone of voice, contorted facial expressions, or even supposed code words and dog whistles into their terms of service as things they'll ban people for. If someone is reporting on a new television commercial featuring two gay men who are raising their adopted child as gender neutral and react with a disgusted look on their face or a sarcastic, I'm sure the child will grow up to be totally normal. That will likely be a violation of their policies. George Orwell warned against such thing in his classic novel, 1984, saying, quote, to wear an improper expression on your face, to look incredulous when a victory was announced, for example, was itself a punishable offense. There was even a word for it in Newspeak. Face crime, it was called, end quote. They'll start claiming that certain words or phrases are code words for something else, just like they've done with the OK hand sign, and then soon nobody will be safe from being smeared as a white supremacist, Islamophobe, homophobe, or xenophobe for saying certain facts out loud. The left are now engaged in a Maoist-style attempted overthrow of our culture and our country, and are systematically purging influential dissenting voices from social media. But they don't just want prominent vocal opponents of the New World Order silenced, they want our lives destroyed. They've developed a formula to take people down. First, a few unscrupulous liberal online outlets label certain conservatives alt-right or right-wing extremists, and then the editors at Wikipedia update those people's pages to claim they're white nationalists or Nazis, and then use those dubious reports as sources to solidify the smear. Then that causes a cascade of cancellations and continued censorship. We call it the wrap-up smear. If you want to talk politics, call it the wrap-up smear. You smear somebody with falsehoods and all the rest, and then you merchandise it. And then you write it, and they'll say, see, it's reported in the press that this, 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 and this, so they have that validation that the press reported the smear, and then it's called the wrap-up smear. Now I'm gonna merchandise the press's report on the smear that we made. And it's, 
It's a tactic. How far will this modern Maoism go, you wonder? Will Visa, MasterCard, or American Express deactivate certain accounts because the banks don't like what some people say or believe? Will Bank of America or Wells Fargo start closing people's checking accounts because they don't like their politics? Some banks are already doing just that. Chase Bank issued a letter to former Proud Boys leader Enrique Tarrio that they would be closing his account and he had until the end of the month to move all his money somewhere else. Then Joe Biggs, a former reporter for Infowars and Proud Boy member who banks at Chase, got the same notification. And Laura Loomer as well. After word spread of this shocking move outraging many veteran groups because Joe Biggs is an Iraq veteran, Chase reactivated his account but wouldn't give him a reason as to why they had initially banned him. A senior software engineer at Google recommended the company delete Donald Trump's Gmail account and that of everyone working in his administration when he was the president. The software engineer also suggested that they brick Trump's phone. A bricked phone, if you're not familiar with the term, means one that is completely deactivated and won't even turn on. So the engineer was literally recommending Google remotely disable Trump's phone, the president of the United States, since their owners of the Android operating system, which it uses. We only know about this because the proposal was included in a series of documents obtained as part of a lawsuit filed by former Google employee James Damore, who was fired after circulating a memo about how the company's obsession with diversity is misguided. While the company didn't authorize those radical actions, Who's to say in the future Android or Apple won't ban certain people from using their phones? When you activate a smartphone, you agree to the terms and conditions, even though hardly anybody ever reads them. Those terms also say that the manufacturer can change the terms anytime they want. So what's to stop them from adding a clause that says they reserve the right to brick your phone or your computer if they feel you're engaging in certain kinds of behavior or speech that they find objectionable? Perhaps Google didn't want the publicity and the backlash of sabotaging the president of the United States cell phone, but what's to stop them from doing it to people who aren't as powerful or well-known? How far will the Silicon Valley titans go to stamp out vocal critics of the radical leftist agenda? Will video editing software companies deactivate their software on people's computers if they don't like the content they're creating? Will Photoshop not sell their software to artists who are making the wrong kind of memes? Or will Microsoft and Apple refuse to license their operating systems on the computers or smartphones of political activists, social media personalities, or authors they consider to be racist, sexist, homophobic, transphobic, Islamophobic, anti-Semitic, or whatever? Or maybe their local ISP, internet service provider, won't even allow them to have an internet connection. Or will start blocking certain websites. What if Priceline or Orbitz decides not to sell you a plane ticket because they refuse to do business with hateful people? Well, Airbnb recently banned Michelle Malkin because she was a guest speaker at a conference whose ideas they disagree with. What's next? Is Enterprise not going to rent her a car? Or popular gas station chain won't sell certain people gas? What if a major grocery store chain decides they won't sell you any food because you've been labeled an extremist by the liberal media? If Visa or MasterCard blacklist you, then you won't even be able to have a debit card. If no banks will allow you to have an account, how can you cash your paycheck? In the Bible, there's a prophecy in the book of Revelation that says one day nobody will be able to buy or sell anything unless they accept the mark of the beast, warning that people who don't worship the counterfeit Christ will be completely cut off economically from the modern world. And it appears that we're beginning to see the justifications for such widespread bans by those who control the backbone of the financial system. Even Coinbase a popular cryptocurrency exchange has banned people like Gab's founder Andrew Torba and others from buying or selling Bitcoin.
get up, you stand up. Don't give up the fight. Get up, stand up. Stand up for your right. You get up, stand up. All right, I want to I want to read you. I want to read you about a white guy. You know, we're always talked about that blacks are, uh, you know, there's black slaves and there weren't any free slaves and there weren't any blacks in charge of blacks. There weren't any black slave owners. And so it was all slaves who were dying and being raped and all this kind of stuff. And there were never any blacks that fought in the Civil War and there were never any whites that did anything good, even though the whites started Oberlin College and ran the the Underground Railroad and all that kind of stuff. I want to talk to you about a guy named Spotswood Robinson, a white guy. You got it? A white guy. In 1939, Spotswood Robinson graduated first in his class at Howard University School of Law with the highest grade point average in the school's history record to stand for 61 years. At the end of his long and illustrious career, he would recall that during his time at Howard, listen to this, one of the things that was drilled in my head was... This is so contrary every day. Today, lawyers get out and just want to make that money, baby. Get that stocks going. This legal education, they said that you're getting getting is not just for you. It's for everybody. So when you leave here, you want to put it to good use. Robinson put his to good use. Robinson was raised to appreciate the importance of education. Both his parents were graduates of Howard, and his dad was a successful Richmond lawyer and real estate developer. In other words, the guy was rich. Richmond joined the law school faculty after graduation while also managing a thriving private practice in Richmond in partnership with Oliver Hill. Oliver Hill and Spotswood Robinson also headed the legal staff of the National Association for the Advancement of Colored People in Virginia. During the 1940s, they both developed wonderful reputations as being among the nation's leading civil rights attorneys. These boys were white. Huh. And now they, would you ask them to pay reparations, would you? As Thurgood Marshall, who was considered an Uncle Tom by today's blacks, because he was black, at Thurgood Marshall's urging, this is how much influence Thurgood Marshall had, Robinson resigned from the Howard faculty in 47 so he could devote more time to the series of lawsuits the NAACP was prosecuting challenging segregation laws. You remember the Democrats loved segregation. The pinnacle of Robinson's career as a litigator came as in the Brown versus Board of Education cases. You ever heard that before? Brown versus Board or Brown v. Board of Education cases with him taking the lead in the oral arguments and being primarily responsible for the briefs, the stress and grueling hours left him bedridden for weeks. Once the work was done, his efforts were instrumental in obtaining the decision that declared segregated schools, segregated education, unconstitutional. It's amazing today that blacks today want segregated education themselves. They want their own graduation ceremonies. They don't want any white honkies in there. They want all blacks, black, is the best. Black is beautiful. In 1960, Robinson was appointed dean of Howard Law School. In 1964, he was appointed as a federal district judge for the D.C. District Court, and two years later, he was appointed to the D.C. District Court of Appeals, making him the first African-American. Wait a minute. Well, actually, 
he is an African-American. Hmm. He was actually the interesting thing is his picture. He is light as can be. You can't even tell making him the first African-American to serve on those courts. He would ultimately become the second African-American to serve as the chief judge on the court of appeals. So Spotswood was a black dude, but he doesn't look black because somebody along the way got some vanilla in there. As a judge, Robinson was known for his work ethic, his scholarship and his ethics. And in his leisure time, he was an avid woodworker, fisherman and amateur architect. He died in Richmond, Virginia at the ripe old age of 82. <clears throat> and uh, it's a beautiful story. Except I got the, his ethnic. When you see a picture of him, you'd never guess the dude was black. He's much lighter than Obama's mocha. So the interesting thing is that uh, that's so you you now can see the effort went into Brown versus the Board of Education. So I did you monkeypox. Let me see if we, we're in our last half hour. So I need to go up here and mention a couple more people that uh, helped us out. I talked to one of them on the phone today, Dr. Joe Cassidy, because he's down at a medical conference in Anaheim, he said, I texted him, he said, I'm out for dinner with my wife at Disney. I said, well, say hello to Mickey and Donald for me. So he called me back and I said, I got some drug questions for you because a bunch of people call me needing help. So he was down there and he sent me some slides. He took some photographs from the conference on fentanyl and sent them up, showed them to me. So Dr. Cassidy and I are helping people get into rehab. So I got a call to, tonight. A guy's a meth addict. He got his kid taken from him because uh, it tested positive when he was born. Uh, the mother obviously was using. And now he's got to sort out, get into a drug rehab, and he was asking my input. So we're getting calls almost every single day, people wanting help that are really struggling. They, oh, well, they're just bad seed. Just let them all go to hell, or let's just all shoot them. The fact is, both Dr. Cassidy and I know lots and lots of people that used to be, there used to be that way, but now they're wonderful, tax-paying, hard-working mothers and fathers, sisters and brothers that are clean. They've been clean for years. They, they regret their life, and they're helping others get out of it. So if you want to, in fact, I talked to a guy this week. He's an alcoholic. I checked up on him. He said, Lou, I got over to the hospital. They put me on some medication. And it's really helping me. Thank you very much for all your help. And I said, so he's coming to church with me. I'm bringing him Saturday night. So Peachtree Health, if you call Peachtree Health, 530-749-3242, ask for Dr. Joe Cassidy, get an appointment, and just say, they say, if any, will anybody else do? Say, nope, I'm supposed to talk to Dr. Cassidy. Just say that. And um, so uh, just say you need to see him for addiction. If you have problems getting through, I'm going to give you Dr. Cassidy's direct number. Don't call it at all. Just text it during the day, not at night, and blow up his phone. He's trying to sleep at night. Text it and just say, it's, here's the number, 530-682-8648, 682-8648, and just say your name, need help with addiction. If all else fails, dial me up. You can dial me up or text me anytime the night or day, seven days a week, 530-713-1838. We'll get you some help, whether you're an alcoholic. Uh, I talked to people today regarding fentanyl, 
meth, and alcohol. And tobacco, we can help you with as well. So Dr. Joe Cassidy, talked to him on the phone about a couple situations. Although he was said he said, Lou, call me anytime, wherever you are, wherever I am, we, we got this. So uh, the other person I wanted to mention is my friend Ted Holmes, who was helping me at the East Street Apartments. And he was he, he and I are working on several projects together. And he said, Lou, trying to work on my schedule. I want to go to Mexico and work on a orphan home, orphan operation down there for the month of November. So he said, I need to work everything around that. Help me out. So Ted Holmes runs the, he has his own contracting business, Holmes Contracting or Holmes Construction. I'm going to give you one number. You can reach him for whatever you want. If you want your floors removed, he has liftoff floor removal. He's got Holmes Construction, and he's got the plumbing doctor where all these plumbing trucks, there's a plumbing doctor on the side. They will fix what's ailing your plumbing, and if you just dial them up at 530-671-9111, that's a plumbing doctor, and they will fix what's ailing any of those. You know, one the, one of the disadvantages, there was an advantage with outdoor plumbing, right? Outdoor outhouses, outhouses, right? Not in-houses, but outhouses. If they ever failed, you didn't have a problem inside the house. So, uh, but now we got this indoor, when it indoor plumbing works, it's pretty nice, isn't it? Pretty cool. But when it doesn't work, then it's a bummer and it doesn't happen all the time. But then we got these great plumbing companies that will just come in mellow, be kind to us and just fix whatever we need is need fixing. All right. There's a deal I want to read you that reminded me of my own mother. Let's see if I can find it really quick. Okay, let's see whether this, I don't know whether I can find it this quick here. Barbara Ferrer, where is she? Okay, it's up this way. Sorry for the delay. Oh, by the way, do you know that battery, these battery fires, these cars, we have an electric bus in Connecticut that just blew up and burned and burned and burned. It takes thousands of gallons of water to put out a battery fire. Did you know that? I didn't know that. Gas fires, I've seen I've seen fire I, when I was helping the fire service. We'd knock down a fire, fire in a car, you know, car engine get hot, leaky, leaky gas or something on it. And uh, they'd knock that thing down. Boom, they'd just knock it down. Not so battery fires. That that entire bus melted into the ground. And uh, so just something to think about. Uh, we got major problems. There's been all kinds of batteries. We had a car crash in the United States. And uh, the guys survived the crash, but it incinerated them because they couldn't get out of the car. And the car, uh, the batteries caught on fire. So these are things that my mother taught me, said hilarious things my mother taught me. Number one, my mother taught me to appreciate a job well done. So, quote, if you're going to kill each other, do it outside. I just finished cleaning. That's number one. Number two, some of these were said to me. That's why it, I thought, oh, that brings back all those warm memories. My mother taught me religion, said you better pray that will come out of the carpet. My mother taught me about time travel. She said, if you don't straighten up, I'm going to knock you into the middle of next week. My mother taught me logic because I said so. That's why my mother taught me more logic. If you fail, sorry, if you fall out of that swing and break your neck, you're not going to go to the store with me. 
My mother taught me about foresight. Make sure you wear clean underwear in case you're in an accident. My mother taught me irony. Keep crying and I'll give you something to cry about. My mother taught me about the science of osmosis. Shut your mouth and eat your supper. Number nine, my mother taught me about contortionism. Will you look at that dirt on the back of your neck? And my mother taught me about stamina. You'll sit there until all the spinach is gone. You know something? It just there, There's lists and lists and lists of things, the, the way things were done back in the day. Oh, let me do, let me do, we've got four minutes. I'm going to, I'm going to do this and, and we're going to land a plane. <clears throat> says this day in history, 1942, you remember the same concept, right? We got black lives matter. Oh, blacks are just oppressed, oppressed, oppressed. This is in 1942. Think about it, people. That's 80 years ago. George Washington Carver. This amazing. Do you know how many blacks named their kids up, up, after famous politicians, George Washington Carver, and you're going to say you're going to say George was a racist. <laughs> George Washington Carver, a black guy, begins experimental project with Henry Ford, the agricultural chemist. Think of this. This is 1942. The agricultural chemist George Washington Carver, head of Alabama's famed Tuskegee Institute, arrives in Dearborn, Michigan, at the invitation of Henry Ford, founder of the Ford Motor Company. And the assembly line phenomenon. Born to slave parents. This is like, oh my God, I, I, I've got such a bad upbringing. My mama was a horror crack addict. I, I have a black parents. This guy was born to slave parents on the plantation in Missouri during the Civil War. Carver managed to get a high school education while working as a farmhand in Kansas in the late 20s. Turned away by a Kansas university because he was African-American. He said, oh, I quit. I'm just going to go do crack cocaine and right, just screw people. Maybe I'm going to be a pimp. I, get, I need some of those big, big gold necklaces. I want some of those Jordan tennis shoes. Let's break a window. Carver, Carver later became the first black student at Iowa State Agricultural College in Ames, where he obtained his bachelor's and master's degree. In 1896, Carver left Iowa to head the Department of Agriculture at Tuskegee Normal and in, in, Industrial Institute, a school founded by the leading black educator, Booker T. Washington. By convincing farmers in the South to plant peanuts as an alternative to cotton, Carver helped resurrect and resuscitate the region's agriculture. In the process, he became one of the most respected and influential scientists of the whole country of the United States of America. That's George Washington Carver. <clears throat> like Carver, Ford was deeply interested in regeneration properties of the soil and the potential of alternative crops such as peanuts and soybeans to produce plastics, paint, fuel, and other products. Ford had long believed that the world would eventually need a substitute for gasoline. In the 1920s, most people thought we we're almost out of gasoline. They were wrong. So they were looking for another alternative. And they supported the production of ethanol or grain alcohol. They're still doing it. It's a total bummer. It's a loser idea. And it's a total welfare scam for farmers. As an alternative to fuel. In 1942... Uh, he would showcase a car with a lightweight plastic body made from soybeans. Ford and Carver began corresponding via letter in 1934, and their mutual admiration deepened after Carver made a visit to Michigan in 1937. 
As Douglas Brinkley writes in The Wheels for the World, has history, his history of Ford, the automaker, donated generously to the Tuskegee Institute, helping finance Carver's experiments. This is a black guy. This is a black guy whose parents actually were slaves. A lot of these black people in the inner city can't even figure out where they came from. They can't figure out whether they got a slave or somebody just snuck across later. And Carver, in turn, spent a period of time helping to oversee crops at the Ford Plantation. Did you know Ford had his own farming operations? Henry Ford, the car guy in Ways, Georgia. They even had they even had a warehouses up in Michigan. They were experimenting. And by World War II, when World War II began, Ford had made repeated journeys to Tuskegee to convince Carver to come to Dearborn, Michigan, and help him develop a synthetic rubber. This is wartime to help com- compensate for wartime rubber shortages. Carver arrived in July 19, 1942. This is a black guy whose parents were slaves. And he set up a laboratory in an old waterworks building in Dearborn, Michigan. Carver and Ford experimented with different crops. <clears throat> They're growing crops indoors. You think, oh, yeah, that's all new, man. Dude, we got a greenhouse. <laughs> These guys are building it inside a huge factory. He and Ford experimented with different crops, including sweet potatoes, dandelions, eventually devising a way to make the rubber substitute from goldenrod, a plant weed. Carver died in 43, Ford in April 1947, but the relationship between the two institutions continued to flourish thereafter. When you hear all these excuses, I just can't pull it off, man. You know, I got a really hard start. This is Carver, George Washington Carver, Booker T. Washington. These are all, these are children of slaves. Not like their great, 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 great grandparents were slaves or they died coming over on the boat. No way. Come on, people. We got, people are more resilient. Walter William used to say, I'm just checking my time. I got a little off here. Walter Williams the great economist from George Mason University used to say, one of the greatest examples of the resilience of human beings is the black people and what they accomplished after coming from slavery and how some of them are millionaires, billionaires, owners of huge corporations. They're in every walk of life there is around the earth. And their people were tribal people. In fact, when they offered the slaves an opportunity to be, go free or go back to Africa and they would get, give them property in, in what they called Liberia, hardly anybody wanted to go. And they named their kids after famous patriots like George Washington. Think about it, people. They did not name them Aisha or Shaquita. It's just like, come on, guys. Let's wake up, wake up, wake up. All right. So uh, I think I, I got my timing goofed up a little bit here today. So I'm just going to fill in. I think I think we're about done here. So thank you for listening. And um, next week we'll do episode 175 and we'll be into August. Lord willing. I was telling somebody that today he was all freaked out about something happening in his life. I said, we may not even be alive then. Let's just say, Lord willing, we'll live tomorrow. 
So thanks for listening, and uh, we'll catch you later. dark sacred night and I think to myself